Chairperson. Honorable members of the Portfolio Committee, I hope uh, everybody that is supposed to be here is here. Good morning, uh, Chairman. delightful to see you. <laughs> thank you very much, uh, Honorable Onsinga. Thank you. I'm happy to also see you in person, as you said. Thank you very much. Um, Valerie? Chair, there's only five members in the meeting now that we have lost Mr. Sitole. So there's only five members. There was an apology from Ms. Noluchungu that has to deal with urgent organizational commitments today. No, Luchungu. No, Luchungu. What did, any other apology? That was the only apology I've received, Chair. No apology from minister or deputy minister or other part? I don't have anything from the department yet, Chair. Okay, so we'll take that they have not apologized. Uh, good morning, Honorable Pitmei. I see your hand up, sir. What is it that you want to tell us? Uh, thank you, Chairperson. I've got a doctor's appointment at quarter past 11, so I'll leave around about 5 to 11. Uh, it's uh, test, tested and he wants to see me. I hope it's not serious. <laughs> we will pray that it's not serious. Thank you very yeah. much. Quarter to 11. Yeah. Um, 10.45. Um, okay, <clears throat> Valerie, are we recovering the presence of uh, Honorable Stolle? Not yet, Chair, and because it's advisable to have um, six members present. It's advisable to have six members. What has happened to him? Because he, he was here. Uh, it was very early, so I suspect it's um, a connection issue, Chair. Um, I'll just ask Ms. Mashlati to just follow up to see if we can assist him to get back into the meeting. Yeah, he saw my name here and he tried to do likewise. Now he's messing up my meeting. Uh, Chris Lavisa. Sorry, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, Chairperson, Honorable Chairperson. I just wanted to, I was checking with Tandu Mbondo uh, about uh, the minister because I know that uh, today he is uh, doing the shortlisting of the DG post. Uh, I just wanted to, to say that and, and Deputy Minister is uh, is attending the IMO uh, you know, sessions, which is taking place for the whole week uh, this week. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's just that I know that it was supposed to be recorded uh, and sent to the secretariat. I know the, the processes and the procedures of, of the portfolio committee. I just wanted to relay that one, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you. So, I what have you say. so what are you trying to do? Uh, I'm trying to check. 
you know that it should be recorded and in, in the case where it is it is not recorded and is brought not even by the offices of the the, the ministry then it's a big issue eh? Yeah, yes, uh, Chairperson, I hear you very well. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Let's not let's not smuggle it in. Uh, I I appreciate your your um, caring and trying to put the department in the right um, image, uh, But let's do let's do them correctly, please. Thank you very much. Uh, unless they are they are recorded, uh, we're not going to take them. Honorable McDonald, I hope you are not going to get into this <clears throat> beautiful debate of me and. Chairperson, uh, good morning. No, I'm not. I, I, I fear to tread into that the discussion, Chairperson. I, I think you've covered it extensively in this meeting and previously, Chairperson. Chairperson, I just wanted to say, um, Mayor Matwa was having connection difficulties. She's trying to connect now so that uh, we will curate within the next minute, Chairperson. That was my only reason I, I asked, raised my hand. Thank you, Chairperson. No, but uh, Honorable Stoller is here. I can see. Yes, but, Chair, Mr. Sitole is back. I was just going to tell you he's back now. Thank you very much. Uh, so we can uh, kick start. And uh, you are all welcomed. I am told, uh, honorable members, that this is our last meeting for the year 2021. <clears throat> so I hope we make the best out of it. Um, Valerie, who are the members who are not here currently? Uh, Ms. Kumalo, and now we've heard Ms. Ramadwa has connection problems. Um, um, the, uh, Ms. Mangu, um, yes, Mr. Bilankulu, I'm not sure if he's at another committee meeting. And then obviously we know the EFF, um, EFF's apologies that um, for today. So from the yeah, so it's Mr. Mangu, Ms. Ramadwa, Ms. Kumalo, Mr. Bilankulu. Yeah. Mm. Mr. Mabena. But Mr. Sitlolo is here. <laughs> Mr. Mabena is not here also. Uh, okay. There's no apology. All right, <clears throat> let's forge ahead. Honorable Mc, McDonald, your members are not here in their numbers. I, I hope you see that. And I hope you correct that. Uh, we have about four items. Um, they are difficult items. They are easy items, <clears throat> right? The first item is deliberations on the ERT bill. And um, um, there are about three issues there that we need to deal with so that we finish um, this. The first issue is, I have since been told that uh, um, there are um, 
there is a feedback in terms of what we have already resolved as this portfolio committee, work done by um, the legal minds with us here, that is uh, either um, state law advisor or parliamentary uh, advisors. Let's hear what 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 have they done and what are they saying? Because I remember very well our view as the committee was that we should take incorporated uh, instead of amalgamated. I still remember that very clear. Uh, who's 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 presenting that, Valerie? Chair, the state law advisor is in the meeting as well as the parliament legal advisor. Medilotion Gangen. Good morning, Chairperson. Good yes. morning, honorable members, and to all on the platform this morning. Chair, it is correct um, that members at the last meeting were of the view that the term incorporate um, was best suited in the section. But um, you may recall that the legal advisors were requested to go back and to look at the definitions um, for the benefit of the committee, which is which is something that we have done. Um, be that as it may, Chair, um, if you don't wish us to go through the definitions, <laughs> we are happy to, um, you know, we are in your hands, Chair. But I have said... I I have given you a go ahead, ma'am. Okay. Ahead. Okay, chairperson. I just want to um, just your guidance on 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 which to do first. There were two issues um, emanating from the last meeting. Um, the one issue was the possibility of the need for further public participation, and I've prepared something on that. And the other is the issue of the definitions. Um, with your permission, I will start with what I've prepared on the facilitation of the further public involvement. Um, so chairperson and members, um, the bill has undergone extensive public participation, which included the written submissions, oral submissions relating to the written submissions received. And on the completion of this process, we had met as a committee um, to deliberate on the bill on a number of occasions. Um, Chair, you will recall that on the 9th of March, members raised concerns, and correctly so, about the bill not specifically incorporating CBRT, and more importantly, um, that the bill lacked critical detail. And at the time that this was raised, Chair, um, I had advised that in order to remedy the above, the committee would have to include um, proposed amendments, which were substantive in nature, and we would have to facilitate further public involvement as these inclusions were not included by the bill um, initially and were not considered by cabinet um, in, or in the public uh, consultation phase by the department. Um, so in attempt to remedy the fact that the bill lacked critical detail, the entire legal team advising the committee 
gave input to the state law advisor who then drafted the further updated list. Um, at our meeting of the 29th of November, whilst attempting to finalize the A-list, um, the issue was raised whether the further changes um, would require further public involvement and clarity was sought um, regarding the process in making those amendments. So the question facing the committee, as I understand it, is if the committee decides to make the further amendments um, to the bill that was advertised for public comment, comment, must the committee facilitate further public involvement? And she, I'd like to just refer the committee to our, our rules, the National Assembly rules. So rule 2866 provides that the process in a committee, in the process of inquiring into the bill, the committee must weigh applicable and as far as possible follow the, the um, separate formal stages. And 6.6 says that invitation for further public comment and submissions on the substance of the bill, followed by the hearing and the examination or such oral submissions if deemed necessary. Deliberation by members, taking into consideration the proposed amendments and comments and proposals received and evidence presented. Um, that is the process in terms of further amendments. The question of when further involvement of the public is required. Chair, I've looked at case law and in the case, in the Truwitz case, Truwitz versus the Ministry of, Ministry of Trade and Industry, in this matter, um, the minister had published regulations for comment and the comments received um, was that the regulations were too restrictive in their wording and the new wording that was then adopted was almost verbatim, word for word, um, adopted as the proposal that had been submitted by the public. And the final version of these regulations were not circulated for further comments by stakeholders or interested parties and the court held that it wasn't necessary for the minister to circulate the regulations again. Um, but it did say that calling for further comment might under certain circumstances be advisable. Um, I then looked at the SAVA case, South African Veterinary Association versus the Speaker of the National Assembly and others. And this dealt with section 16 of the Medicines and Related Substances Amendment Act. And what had happened here, Chair, is that um, there was an amendment that had been made and the effect of this amendment was that it, if, that it had an effect on, on the way in which um, veterinarians dispensed um, medicine, you know, to the animals. And Sava challenged the amendment saying that further public consultations should have been followed after the insertion of the word veterinarian, because this was a new concept that was added to the Amendment Act in respect of which no public consultations were done. And they further argued that the word veterinarian materially altered the way veterinarians would be able to dispense medicines. Um, the Constitutional Court accepted that the amendments um, had the effect of bringing the entire profession um, into the act, which it never had applied to before, before the amendment. And the court held, the Concord held that the failure by the Health Committee to facilitate public involvement renders the procedure followed in, in inserting the word constitutionally invalid. 
Um, there's the, the other case of, that I looked at was the Doctors for Life case, which said that reasonableness is an objective standard. And in dealing with the issue of reasonableness, context is, is very important. So the question, the important question is whether a legislature acted reasonably in discharging its duty to facilitate public involvement will depend on a number of factors. So the nature and the importance of the legislation and the intensity of the impact of the public are especially relevant. Um, so the court has regard to what parliament considers itself to be appropriate public involvement and in the light of the legislation's content, the importance and the urgency um, will also be taken into account. So the court further stated that um, citizens and their views and matter and it should receive due consideration when at the moment when they could possibly influence those decisions. Um, so in conclusion, on the pub facilitation of further public involvement, um, I just want to add that facilitating the public involvement in a bill before a committee is a constitutional requirement that is also provided for in our rules, in the National Assembly rules. And in order to give effect to these obligations, we must provide um, a reasonable opportunity for interested persons to make meaningful input and the process begins with informing the public of the new draft legislation culminating and um, considering the input after the after involving the public. So it follows that the new provisions were absent during the initial stages of publishing when the bill went, went out and we invited public comments. And the provisions that public were unaware of materially changes the bill should be part of the public involvement process by informing the public thereof um, and inviting comments. Having said that, Chair, the committee may decide um, and has the discretion whether to hold further oral hearings or only rely on written responses, if any. And um, comments may be requested by advertisement or by informing those already showed interest in the bill of the new provisions. It really depends on the effect and the substance of the new provisions. On the specific issue, um, of inviting further public comments on the new provisions of the bill, um, we advise that the committee call for comments on any subsequent amendments that, that materially or substantively changes the content and the effect of the bill, especially since these were absent during the first public um, involvement process. Um, and just having regard to the nature and the importance of this bill, um, the impact on the public and that parliament um, may want to consider doing further public facilitation. Chair. <clears throat> Can you repeat uh, <clears throat> the recommendation, Tilosin? So we propose that we facilitate further public participation on the limited substance of the um, of just the amendment. And, mm. and and I'm saying that the committee has a discretion on how it wants to go about that. So the committee need not um, need not um, make it uh, a huge and massive, um, you know, um, undertaking. We can literally just do it on the limited issue. We could literally invite those that had made comment and and ask them for ask them to join a meeting and we'll take their questions. Or we can do it for via a, a written means of reply. So it really is in the committee's hands how they want to 
facilitate the further public involvement. But what we are saying as the legal team is that we propose and we think it is advisable that we facilitate further public involvement in respect of the new amendment that was not in the initial bill um, and that came about as a result of these the committee's concern that the bill as it stood you know lacked um sufficient and 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 clarity in certain respects thank you chair thank you mayor tillerson um <clears throat> honorable members i know also on this one we did um, come to a particular conclusion and uh, I would want uh, to plead to all of you that we have been going uh, through this bill on this matter, not as a united front. And I think um, the parliament, parliamentary advisor is helping us to try and converge. And uh, let me hear any hands who supports this thing as it is in this order. Honorable man, followed by Honorable Stolle, followed by Honorable Chris Hunsinga. Uh, Honorable Chris Hunsinga, your hand has changed this morning. I don't know why. The color of your hand has changed. Those are the three speakers in that order. Oh, Honorable Pete May. Thank you very much. In that order, please. Sir, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, uh, you would excuse me, I'm trying to figure out gadgets here. I'm connected on two gadgets because something is just not working, but I'm doing my level best so that at least I could be visible. I can't put a tie and not be on YouTube. Uh, it's very, very important. <laughs> I put on a tie and I need to be on YouTube. Uh, Chair, I... I I don't have any issue in supporting the proposition as, um, as has been presented. However, if you allow me uh, through you, Chair, I just would want some clarification from the presenter or those that are with her. Um, the first one is the issue she, she sort of intimates at the end, not saying we should, but she's just throwing it in there for us to consider um, the issue of a limited participation. In other words, those that commented um, on this particular bill and she just suggests how maybe it could be considered. The first question, Chair, there is, uh, wouldn't we be exposing ourselves? Because the fact that, in my view at least, the fact that I would not have commented at the time should not preclude me or put me outside from an opportunity should an opportunity arise uh, for me to comment. 
So that for me is the first thing that is seeking uh, clarity. The second clarity I would like to get through you, Chairperson, is when we say we are talking public comments vis-a-vis public participation, it, it sounds nuanced, but I think uh, it is important that we clarify exactly what do we mean by this uh, thing. Um, because I think, as I say, my first concern is that wouldn't we be seen as uh, limiting uh, an opportunity and all those things. Now, lastly, Chairperson, I heard very clearly when I joined, I could have missed one or two things, that the presenter is suggesting that we go on this public comment, public participation on the substantive issues uh, that the members would have made and, and so forth. What are the possibilities of being challenged on that? And, uh, and what is the legal standing and those things? I could hear, but she was breaking at some stage, quoting some decided cases. Chair, those are my three comments, uh, or rather clarity-seeking questions. Uh, but in principle, <coughs> I am inclined to uh, support, subject to these issues, uh, the proposition uh, that is being made to us. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you very much. We will get to clarifications. Mondis, uh, Ukona. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Okay, and thank you to presenters. And I'm greeting to all members. Chairperson, I think some 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 of my questions have been covered by by Honorable Mango, because I'm worried if you are open for further participation, but you are limiting those who will be the new participants. So how uh, are we going to deal it with if they challenge it in court? Legalize, what, what is going to happen? Because we have to, to find out, because we mustn't put ourselves in the, in the in the situation where you are going to fade in court. I think that, that's, that, that's my main question. And another thing, Chairperson, I want to find out how long it will take now when we are, we are open this for, for participation. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you. In that order, please. Mtlegas. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson, uh, and good morning to everybody. Chairperson, sadly, I lost connection at the end uh, where um, Madam Gangan presented a, a, a final um, uh, consolidated um, proposal. Um, Chairperson, okay. as you know... Okay, okay. Let me try and be fair to all of you because you are raising a, a, a point which is almost similar that you lost here there and there. May, you, may I please request you to pause a bit, honorable, honorable member, so that we don't leave anything. Thank you, Jay. This Thank you. Yeah. Matty Lawson. Thank you, Chair. Um, 
Am I audible to everybody now? You are audible. Audible. You have been audible. Okay. Uh, if you can just repeat yourself, uh, you'll help everybody. Okay, Chair. Um, I think, I think the most important part, um, and 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 it was it was raised in questions, is how would we how would we do the further facilitation of of the public participation? And I use the term limited, and perhaps I need to just expand expand on that. So I think importantly, there were people that were particularly interested in this bill. And so while I think when we invite those particular people specifically, it's not to the exclusion of the public at large. So we could do an advertisement and it's, and I'm literally just giving um, an example. Um, you know, we could put an, ad, an advert on the parliamentary uh, website, for example, to say that we're where we are um, continuing with the public participation in respect of of a substantial amendment. We invite the public at large, and and we can then just deal with um, with with it on that basis. And we can also, um, like I said, specifically invite the stakeholders, those people that really did engage, um, you know, specifically. We can invite them, so we we can never exclude the public. We'd have to do something generally inviting everybody. Um, you know that that is our constitutional obligation. I just meant that we'd engage specifically um, on on those particular um, stakeholders that that really did engage. When I mean limited, I mean we'll do it in in a in a in a just in a more feasible. Um, economic and 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 sensible ways. So perhaps we'll we'll call a committee meet. We'll advertise to say, look, we've got this amendment. We want to um, we want the public's comments and input, and we can have a committee meeting, and we can do oral questions and replies, or we can invite written comment on the specific amendment. Um, so that so that will be quite limited. It's not going to be opening up an entire, you know, the entire bill and an entire can of worms. We're literally going to focus on what was changed, what wasn't there in the beginning, um, and and ask for input um, on that particular basis. Um, I think that's the the nub and the gist of, of what um, some members may have missed uh, when I was not audible via... Um, the, in, the connectivity issues. And then just in respect of how long this will take, um, I'm not entirely sure. It is a process, um, it is a procedural question. Um, we may need a minimum of 10 working days. I'm not sure. I will, I can, we can ask Valerie to to inquire into how many, how many days um, it would take. And then we can deal with it on that basis once we've got clarity procedurally how how long it would take. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yes, ma'am. Um, I, I think I've I've literally dealt with um, honourable member Manku's questions all in one, 
And I think the other members more or less had the same um, difficulty that they didn't hear what the nub of what I was saying. But that's essentially what the nub. And the court, the court cases are basically saying that um, public participation is is important. Um, and you know the constitutional court looks very strongly, um, and 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 especially with Parliament in the in the spotlight. Um, you know, often we want to do this correctly. We want to do it um, transparently. We want to do it properly. And I'm very grateful to to the members because had it not been for their rigorous and robust involvement, um, the amendment would essentially not have come about in the way that it's come about. So, um, you know, um, throughout the, this, this process, um, committee members were saying that, you know, it's lacking detail. And it's through that process that we've come this far. So, and, and we've made this important change. So thank you, Chair. Um, <clears throat> uh, Baba Mishegas. Are you answered? Honorable Lonsinger? Yes. <clears throat> yes, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, the nub is now clear, and um, although I mean it in a light-hearted uh, manner, Chairperson, let me also thank um, the, the very comprehensive work that's been done and research uh, into case studies, uh, which now has given substance uh, to the idea. Um, Chairperson, the three main um, words that stand out is uh, conditions that would um, recommend ad uh, it, uh, advisable to extend further response, um, reasonableness, and the other principle that was pointed out was that it was deemed necessary. For those three reasons, Chairperson, I absolutely support um, a very narrowed uh, but very important extended um, public participation, which I would um, recommend, Chairperson, that it should only be in a written format, a written response. There is no intention, let me be clear on this, Chairperson, since I've been pushing for an additional public participation uh, process, there is no intention to prolong and extend um, the finality of this book. Uh, it is important, and it would be to the benefit, um, of the functionality of uh, the economic regulation component of many entities. But as you would know, particular elements um, has, has changed um, in comparison to the initial publication. So therefore, Chairperson, the nature of that, the importance of that, and the appropriateness to then give a last opportunity um, would certainly support our um, uh, accountability and the responsibility which we carry. Um, so therefore, Chairperson, I recommend that we confine it to a written response over a limited period and that we just engage for a last time with everybody that uh, had the opportunity to be part of the development of this very important bill. Thank you, Chairperson. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson, all the people. I'm well covered by all the previous speakers. All I want to say, I accept the proposal of the legal team. I think it's reasonable 
and in the interest of the committee as well as all the parties. Thank you very much from a wet Eastern Cape chairperson. From Eastern Cape. Okay. Valerie? Yes, Shane. How many days do you think this will take? Okay, uh, as I've indicated to the uh, Parliament Legal Advisor, we work on 10 minimum days. Um, but since it is um, a quiet time with the Parliament constituency period coming uh, on, we can actually advertise longer. I will try to get something um, drafted in the next two days, which can possibly get us to advertise as early as earliest by next week over the Christmas and mid-January period, Chair, uh, with a closing date by the 22nd or 25th of Jan, which gives the committee and um, our support staff enough time to uh, work through the through those submissions so that we can have the first deliberation set up immediately after the State of the Nation address. I hope that works for the committee. Baba, oh, thank you very much. Ms. Valerie Karelse. Honorable Man. Thank you very much. <clears throat> and thank you to the team, legal team, for, for the response. However, I think I still have missed one portion of my uh, request, the one of uh, excluding other people who uh, would not have taken interest uh, at the original time or original time of publication. If I may also, Chair, just say, <clears throat> I think I am on record in this committee. While I agree with my colleague, Honorable Hun Singer, that we shouldn't appear at all, I join myself with him as to wanting to uh, prolong the finalization of this. But, I think the, 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 the exclusion or inclusion of as many people as possible for me is at the heart of our role as parliamentarians. Whilst I do understand that this is a, not a new uh, public participation invite, uh, I'm not sure how best we could be able to broaden it a little bit uh, more whilst not opposed to the fact that it is only limited to written submissions. Uh, yes, uh, even that on its own is exclusion. It's excluding other people who might not be able to, to make these comprehensive, well-researched, but they have got thoughts. I might re re remind colleagues that during the process, we commented, for instance, that we did not hear the voice 
of Uber drivers, as an example. But we had a voice of the Uber app owners or licensees, whatever the case may be. There were also more such instances. And I think that for me should remain a concern for us as parliament to be as uh, inclusive as possible. And I, uh, this process that is being outlined in front of us, in my view, uh, doesn't seek to address those issues but yes, we want to finalize this as soon as possible. Chair, I therefore support again these things, but having not been fully prepared of this, could I ask through you your indulgence and the indulgence of the committee members that maybe we continue with the agenda, this matter of how we really do it and what would be best for us, having had all what we have had, we finalize at your discretion if my proposition is agreed to on how do we then close it before we leave this meeting, of course, not in any other day. Uh, but where I am speaking for myself, this is a lot of new information and I'm trying to process it very well, taking the legal advice, taking the comments from my colleagues. And I would want to, to be able to say uh, we have satisfied ourselves. So if possible, and you agree, Chair, maybe we could uh, um, digest this and before you adjourn this meeting, we concretize it and map a clear way forward. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Manu. I saw Mr. May, your hand is still up. I can see it's a, a legacy hand. Could you please uh, lower your hand? Thank you very much. Valerie? Was your hand uh, a legacy hand? No, Chair, my hand, hand was not a legacy hand. I was just going to talk about process, but if you want uh, the discussion to continue later, then I will be able to respond to, I think, some of the matters that Ms. Samangu is, is inferring to. So now or later, Chair, depends on you. Yeah, you must just remind me so that we close, it's nearly close this matter, but let's allow uh, honorable member to uh, process it. It's fine. Uh, May Tiloshin, <clears throat> uh, yes. I know you now have a suite now. That is why you chose to start with this matter. Can we go back to the matter that was that I requested you to handle. Yes, Chairperson. So yeah. before I before I start um, with this, I want to just say that at the last meeting, um, the legal advisors were of the view that the word amalgamate was best suited to this particular clause. Um, but having said that, as I understand it, and please, Chair, correct me if I'm wrong, um, the committee decided that the word incorporate was, was best uh, suited to the section. Um, so I'm literally going to just go through the definitions as requested by you, Chair, um, and it's not with a view to, to change the um, 
to change the wording. And we are literally just advising what our view is. And, 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 and of course, it is up to the committee um, to choose the wording that they feel is appropriate. So subsection, so, so clause four, um, I'm not going to go through the entire clause because the state law advisor is going to um, go through the A-list after I am done, um, I imagine. But for the moment, we've included the word incorporated as um, and incorporated into this clause as we were guided by the committee in this respect. Um, when looking at the legal definitions, amalgamate, in terms of the Companies Act, um, the Companies Act defines amalg an amalgamation or merger um, together and does not deal with the words amalgamation and merger separately. So this means that within the Act, there's no real distinction between amalgamation and merger. Concept is treated as one. Um, the, new, the Act defines an amalgamation or merger as a transaction or a series of transactions pursuant to an agreement between two or more companies that result in the formation of one or more new companies, which all which together hold all the assets um, that were held by the companies prior to the amalgamation. Um, amalgamation or merger also refers to the survival of at least one of the amalgamating or merging companies with or without the formation of one or more new companies. Um, according to US legal definitions, the term amalgamation generically denotes the blending of two or more things into one single unit. The term um, generally is referred to as mergers and acquisitions. And for the merging of schools or regiments, governmental organizations, the term am amalgamation is used. The Cambridge Dictionary defines amalgamation as the process in which separate organizations unite to form a larger organization. The Oxford Dictionary refers to amalgamation as the act of putting two or more things together so that they form one. The term incorporate, generally, the term incorporate means to take in or to contain something as part of a whole. Legally, to incorporate means to absorb a company as a legal corporation. Incorporations are personal liability companies who operate for a profit. Um, companies for a profit can further be subdivided into state-owned companies, private companies, personal liability companies, and public companies. The unifying characteristic of all private companies is that they are intended to general, generate financial returns for shareholders. Um, so personal liability companies are incorporated by one or more persons and must have um, a minimum of one director. Um, Investopedia in the business context defines incorporation as the legal process used to form a corporate entity or a company. A corporation is the resulting legal entity that separates the firm's assets and income from its owners and investors. Corporations can be created in all countries and are usually identified by the use of the terms Inc. or Limited. Um, it is the process of legally declaring a corporate entity separately from its owners. According to the Collins Dictionary, incorporate means that something is incorporated into a large group um, 
in as much as the word incorporate in lay terms means to include one thing into another, in legal terms when dealing with legislation, the term incorporate refers to the legal corporation, which is different to the meaning of the word incorporate in the ordinary sense. Um, within government, when two or more entities are joined to form an entity, we ordinarily refer to the term amalgamation. Um, we proposed that the term amalgamation is best suited within the governmental state context. Um, that's my that's my legal definitions as requested by by you, Chair. Um, I think that the state law um, advisor may want to add. I'm not sure, um, but, but she can address you if she so wishes. Thank you, Chairperson. Matty Lawson, thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, Mary Sharon. Thank you, Chairperson. Good morning to everybody present on the platform. Um, yes, Chair, we, I'd just like to um, add on to what the parliamentary law advisors mentioned regarding the definitions of amalgamated and incorporated. Uh, we've also looked at the definitions and the meanings. Um, in terms of the provisions of the proposed subclass 11A into clause 4 of the bill, uh, it was previously suggested in the A list um, on the 30th of November that the word amalgamated be included in subclause 411A. In this regard, the Collins English Dictionary provides amalgamate is the verb to combine or cause to combine or unite. Um, we, we prefer the use of the word amalgamate in the wording of subclause 411A in order to give effect to the intention of the clause, namely to ensure that the regulators mentioned in clause 411A, 1B, are combined into one regulator in the power. Um, but this term amalgamates encompasses the process as opposed to the term incorporate which provides for giving the regulators corporate status. During the meeting held on the 30th of November, 2021, um, the committee indicated that they would like the word incorporated be used in subclause 11A of um, clause four of the bill, rather than the word amalgamated. Um, the Collins English Dictionary further provides incorporate is include or be included as part or member of a united whole. Secondly, to form a cause to form a united whole or mass, merge or blend. The Barron's Dictionary of Legal Terms provides that incorporate is to organize and be granted status as a corporation by following prescribed legal procedures. Um, and um, yes, it's um, our suggestion that the word incorporated be used in the uh, clause 11a as is uh, a bit legal term. Thank you, Chairperson. There we are. Honorable members, <clears throat> I think it's the same process. Let me hear hands. Uh, Honorable Kurisin Singak, Honorable Ketamabalas Tole, any other hand? Oh, these are the two hands. 
in that order, please. Um, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, um, I do hear uh, both opinions. Um, my comment on that would, Chairperson, that I still recommend that the word incorporate is used rather than amalgamate simply on the basis. And I, ref I reference um, what has been presented here that in using the word amalgamate, uh, it refers to bringing together so that a new entity is formed. In other words, there's nothing left of both of the former entities. Whereas with incorporate, it refers to the taking in or the absorption of entities into a newly formed entity, which to me, uh, with due respect to what's been presented, especially Madam uh, Gangan, which um, in a final analysis, the NAP part, as she puts it, uh, refers to in governmental environment, the word amalgamation is used. And I accept that simply on the basis of that it's used in that environment where there is a shared responsibility of the former entities. Whereas in this instance, uh, the word incorporate would best describe the process. And therefore, uh, Chairperson, I would submit that since the use of the word amalgamate or incorporate wants to give content to the process rather than the final product, incorporate to me makes more sense and is more appropriate um, of, of what is intended in this. So therefore, I, I still maintain incorporate. As a final motivation, Chairperson, Mrs. Gangan, earlier on when referring to the CBRT, Set and it's on record that a reference was that CBRT would not be incorporated. So she herself used the word in preference or incorporate rather than amalgamate, despite the submission. Thank you, Chairperson, and thank you to everyone. Thank you very much, <clears throat> Honorable uh, uh, Hunsinger. Mondays. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Honorable Chairperson, I'm actually the, the presenter doesn't give us an option. He just actually elaborate on what they think and what the, 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 the law can, can actually say. But I, what I'm trying to check, we are not co we are not co amalgamating any any companies or any any forms of of different companies. But here we are cooperating the the entities that are in in in, in the department. Actually, we are forming one one uh, bill for, for 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 the department. So what I'm trying to to, to check, Chairperson, how are we going to use amalgamation to something that we are cooperating? I think, Chairperson, even even the presenter must actually give us the the clarifications. Because that's, that's, that's an idea, Chairperson. That's why we ask that uh, they must actually give us the clear uh, uh, understanding of what is happening on, on, the, on, on this uh, two world uh, amalgamation and, and incorporation. Thank you very much, Chairperson. So, what is your position, uh, Honorable um, Stolle? My position is that we have to, we have to, we must put the incorporation instead of amalgamation. 
Any other hand that differs from these two hands? Going once, twice, and thrice. Me Tilotion and Me Araksha. This matter is now closed with the, the understanding that the committee, after the work that you, the beautiful work that you have done, the research and the explanation still feels that incorporated will be will best suit this process. Can we close it at that, this matter? Thank you very much. The last issue on this matter, which has been an issue I am told, uh, is that uh, that it may. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. On a lighter note, I watch this program, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? on TV. And you've got three options. One of them is phone a friend. So I phoned two of my uh, friends, both of them, one an advocate and the other one an attorney, and they both differ. So it's very difficult for me. So I also join the committee. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So you also join the committee. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Pete May. Phone a friend if you want to be a millionaire. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Mayor Tillerson. There was this issue where I think there is a, a difference of opinions between the state law advisor and the parliamentary advisor on the drafting style of this bill. Could you quickly deal with that issue so that we step off this item? My apologies, Chair. Um, I'm not entirely sure um, what what you're referring to, Chair. There are changes that were spotted by your team in terms of uh, the changes that were made. Uh, yes, uh, last week, mm. that will include your coma, your spacing, and so forth and so on. If if uh, my uh, the briefing that I got is correct. Um. So, chair, as I as I understand it, ordinarily in this particular case, um, the state law advisor um drafted the A list, and mm -hmm. and the way that we have dealt with this particular um A list, just given the just given the absolute magnitude of this particular bill and the... It's 10 hours. Sorry, and just the impact of this particular bill. What we've done is we've really um, tirelessly tried to do it in a joint in a joint way. So insofar as drafting, drafting is, is very particular. Um, I am not a drafter. 
um, the state law advisor, as I understand it, and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Ms. Uh, Raksha, is a drafter. Um, however, just given, as I said, the, the import of this bill, we did it jointly and we helped each other and picked up what we could pick up um, as a team. So, yes, I, I did um, pick up a lot of um, things that needed to be changed. And, and in fairness, um, the, the, state, the Office of the State Law Advisor um, also picked up certain things. And, and the product, I think, is, how do you say, um, the best that we could do as a team. So, um, so yeah. Where is the product, Matt Lawson? I maybe I use the the words that makes you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> As a team, you did the best that you could, and brought about extra changes than the changes that we had last week. Am I putting it? Uh, well, so chair, um, essentially mm -hmm. for me, for me, um, like I said, drafting is is so is so particular. The comma needs to be in the right spot, and and the full stop needs to be in the right spot. So that's very particular. But for me, what's important is the wording of the um, of the clause. So what's important, um, I think, is we wanted it to read. Um, we wanted it to read well, and we wanted it to read into the future. So if we look at, um, here, sorry, with your permission and through you, um, could I ask, I'm not sure who was going to flight the, um, the A-list, but I just want to refer to, um, or I could try and thank you, Alma. So if we can just go to that clause four. Right. Um, you can just uh, a little bit further, Alma. Okay, stop. Um, right. So when I say that we we felt that we wanted to um, bolster this clause and we wanted it to look to the future and it needed to deal with with what needs to happen comprehensively, um, we didn't want it to be cryptic. So what we've added, and for me like I say to uh, chair, what is of substance is the part that we've said, um, if we look at B, we've added the part um, after the words in line, the third line, uh, produce a report. We say after conducting a review of their performance and capabilities, and then we've included the bit after the comma saying, including the initiation of legislative reform required to facilitate the incorporation of these regulators within three years from the effective date and from time to time thereafter. So that including the initiation of the legislative reform is very important because what we seek to do here is going to have a knock-on effect um, with other legislation. And nowhere in this bill do we really spell that out. And so we felt it was important that if we are um, adding this important clause, let's just bolster it and 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 add that bit to make it um, as clear as possible. 
So that for me is, is what we've added of substance. And so far as the extra commas and, and all of that, um, the state law advisor can take you through those chairperson. I'm not sure if I've addressed, um, adequately addressed your, con your concern or, your, or what you wanted me to comment on. Yeah, I think you are doing you are doing exactly what I requested you to do, Matt Tillerson. Uh, State Law Advisor, May Raksha Harcharan. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, we echo the sentiments uh, expressed by the Parliamentary Law Advisor. Chair, we've had several meetings with the Parliamentary Law Advisor regarding the contents of the A-list. We've worked on it on several versions of the A-list, improving each time as we go. Um, it has been a joint effort. We are in total agreement regarding the contents of the uh, A-list. And up until um, as recently as yesterday, we had a further meeting regarding the A-list. So just to mention that we are in total agreement regarding the contents of the A-list. Um, in terms of the further changes that were effected um, subsequent to the last meeting on the 30th of November, as uh, mentioned by the Parliamentary Law Advisor, those were drafting style changes that were included, um, mostly grammatical changes, technical changes, and changes to punctuation in the actual A-list. Those are, are merely technical amendments. Um, as mentioned by the Parliamentary Law Advisor as well, the substantive change that I've made is to the content of Clause 411B, where we included Clause 411B of the bill. Uh, where we included the uh, reworded that clause to make provision for the uh, in re reference to primarily the clause if the minister has determined that one or more of the regulators referred to in paragraph A must be incorporated, the department must produce a report after con conducting a review of their performance and capabilities, including the initiation of the legislative reform required to facilitate the incorporation of these regulators within three years the effective date and from time to time thereafter. Um, this was the, the, the substantive change that was included in this clause because um, the regulators referred to in clause 411 um, a including the um, cross-border transport agency, etc. All these regulators all these regulators are governed in terms of specific legislation and have powers and functions provided for in their respective legislations. And um, it was important to provide for the process going forward once these regulators are eventually uh, incorporated into the uh, transport economic regulator. And the department must consider legislative reform to the legislation governing these regulators as well as the Economic Information Transport Act. Um, so this is a reason for inclusion of this clause. Um, yes, thank you, Jane. Honorable members, any comment or uh, can we take note of uh, the changes that as, as they are made? I take that uh, silence means consent. Thank you very much. Valerie, we done. We done. Yes, with Jay, the, yes Jay. for now we done. We done with this ERT bill. Mm -hmm. It shall be taken to 
um, it, should, it shall be ad published for written comments before before I close. Let me remind myself and hear uh, Honorable Manu. Is there anything that you want to suggest? Or let me take you, Valerie, before I go back to Honorable Manu. Your hand was up as we saw yes, this. Chair. Yes. yes, Chair. Normally, our bills are advertised um, on various platforms, including newspapers, um, national and regional in all the official languages, as well as um, Twitter, Facebook. Um, yes, those are the ones, and, all, and also the Parliament website. So obviously with the newspaper adverts, there is quite a, 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 a cost involved. Um, in my experience, when the committee had to go for for publishing the bills, um, the amendments beyond the scope of the bill, Parliament always paid for that cost. So obviously the committee has to uh, get permission for, for any, any expenditure in that regard. And that is an application that's normally done to house chairperson. The other matter is shared. There was a question on, on the, the the publishing of the bill so that as many people can comment. Um, that will be based on the cost. So there is two possible ways to share. We can target, the committee can target those stakeholders that already commented on the bill and share those um, amendments with them with the bill as introduced. Then uh, chair, uh, the, 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 the cheapest way to get it done quicker is to have a press statement that you can release on the committee's decision and the invitation, as well as getting it on Twitter and Facebook and the Parliament website as soon as possible because there's no cost involved there. The newspapers can be... Um, can be done based on political approval for that expenditure chair. Um, and in terms of our timelines, our, our uh, communications company is closing on the 13th of December and they're opening very early in January. So the committee can already start on the approaching the stakeholders, the Twitter, the Facebook, the press release now before the 15th of December. And based on the political approval and uh, of, for the quotes that we receive for the costing, run the newspaper adverts fr from early January for, uh, for the time period for inviting those comments. So in that way, um, we can cover as many people as possible. Um, and the newspaper adverts can run... Um, not before, I don't, I wouldn't uh, say before the 10th of January because a lot of people will still be on holiday and they might just miss it. So maybe after the 10th of January. Valerie, you have said a mouthful. <laughs> uh, I think, um, let me just uh, search for Honorable Manu. Are you covered, uh, Honorable Member?
L-N-M-A-N-C. We have read that. We now are looking for a voice. Unmute yourself, say. Okay. Thank you. Honorable Unsinger. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, I um, think the guidance which has been presented to us by um, uh, our secretary is is um, is is uh, uh, needs to be considered seriously. Um, Chairperson, we as a committee stand no failure or risk uh, in actually extending um, a further process of uh, public participation. Um, uh, this then needs to be proven by a third party on the basis uh, of fairness and, and reasonableness and being realistic, um, which I think is a far shot. So I think we were extremely fair. We had to fight, in fact, to, to, to justify and to get this additional uh, phase of public participation. Um, I do not see it as a restriction, therefore, if, they, if we only ask for written submissions and if it is a narrower um, approach in terms of publicizing, um, I do support the proposal as presented by our secretary. Thank you, Chair. <clears throat> Thank you, Honorable Onsinga. Jambas, this looks for now and I'm for to say this again as a poison. Uh, thank you. I'm um, trying just that my gadgets are, are letting me down. My challenge still remains, but it's really up to you to guide us. The process of reopening it on a limited scope, 100% supported. The fact that we are going to limit it to your Twitter, Facebook, and so forth is a concern to me, uh, as I'd already indicated before. However, it would appear that uh, the committee is in agreement, as has been summarized, and therefore I, I will support that uh, direction going forward. Thank you, Chair. I think the issue that you're not mentioning is that by January, we'll, um, the, the package is saying by January, we'll then also publish it uh, in the newspapers uh, when people are back to work. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Member Emmanuel. Thank you. E thank you. We're done with this matter and in an amicable way, without any fights. Can we then deal with the, the issue that will take the most of our time today? Deliberations. Um, where am I now? Deliberations on the national road. Traffic Amendment Bill, Bill number seven of 2020, we were at clause 
29, which needed some explanations going to clause 30. Uh, I know I am correct, uh, advocate. Morning, Chairperson. Uh, yes, that's correct. That's why I'm just flagging um, the clause 29 um, for members again on the screen. Um, she just going down here. Um, we didn't get um, a lot of members input on this one because we were running out of time. Um, and she, there was some issues that the department just had to clarify for this one as well. The issues that the department needs to clarify on this one as well. Babu Tlabis, where's your team? What's that? Uh, we, we hear Salo. Yeah, we're here. Uh, now, oh, where is Advocate Mahat? Uh, he's around. He's yeah, I see him on the platform. Oh, the J, the J stands, stands yeah, for Mahat. Yeah, Mahat or J. Yeah, that's one name. Uh, okay. And also, we do have Advocate Masombuga is here also. Oh, Masombuga is, is here today. Yeah, we are here. We are uh, we are all here. Even Mwako Makaipia is here, Kiwi Manana for the next uh, session. So the third point on the agenda. Oh, it's yes. okay. It's okay. Let's let's go. Let's have a short on uh, section twenty-nine. You owe us. Please pay us. Okay. Thanks, Chairperson. Uh, I think before we even get to twenty-nine, Chairperson, there was an issue that was raised by. Honorable Manu, and uh, also uh, around the applicability of that provision to the TBVC states. Uh, so we we undertook to provide a response to that because we said yes, they do cover that. And now, Chairperson, the said regulation. Uh, that incorporates the the, the TBV uh, the driving license cards is Regulation 1110 uh, of the National Road Traffic Regulations of 2000. And um, with your permission, I want to just read that into the record. Um, Regulation 110 titled uh, Conditions for Acknowledgement and Exchange of Driving License Not Issued in Terms of uh, Act and International Driving Permit. Um, then regulation, uh, sub-regulation for reasons follows. Notwithstanding this regulation, a driving license shall be deemed to be valid for the purposes of Chapter 4 of the Act if such license was issued in a territory previously known as A, the Republic of Puputatwana, B, the Republic of Siskei, C, Kazankulu, D, Kangwani, E, uh, Kwandebele, F, Kwazulu, G, Lebua, H, Kwakwa, I, the Republic of Transkei, and J, 
Republic of Venda. So that was just that confirmation. And uh, Chairperson, you'll recall that Honorable May had uh, a concern raised around the operation of the Jubetina uh, testing station in Eastern Cape. Chairperson, I can with uh, certainty uh, say that the testing station is, uh, is undergoing upgrades, uh, but the, testing uh, the said testing station is operational and that uh, they are rendering the following uh, services. The testing of licenses is done on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday, uh, uh, two sessions per day. Whereas the, renew, uh, the PRDP and the renewal of driving licenses is done on a daily basis, uh, that is from Monday to Friday. However, that uh, no driving license tests are being done due to the fact that the test area is under construction. Um, Chairperson, uh, in amplification of that, um, contracts have been awarded by the Kukama local municipality to two service uh, providers. Uh, one will be addressing issues related to the pitching and overlay of the testing station. And um, um, I, I, with your permission, may I not uh, uh, mention their name, but simply state that the, well, we, we have a letter to that effect, which we can share, Chairperson, no issue, um, to the amount of uh, 12,967,000. 566.20. And there is another service provider, chairperson, who will be attending to issues related uh, to the fencing of the uh, 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 testing station uh, uh, perimeter. And uh, the, the, the award uh, stands at a million uh, 618 rands. Uh, 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 618,185 rands and 70 cents. Um, in terms of the uh, municipal finance uh, 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 regulations, um, these contractors, uh, uh, there is a 14 day objection period, which these contractors have been made aware. And then that this is subject uh, to further appeal for a period of 21 days by other bidders uh, in terms of the provisions of uh, the Local Government Municipal Systems Act. Um, so Chairperson, that would address uh, the concern that um, Honorable May raised and our subsequent uh, investigation and confirmation that uh, the said uh, uh, Jubetina testing station operates. Um, with that said, maybe I would pause there and uh, take inputs from uh, the committee. Thanks, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, <clears throat> Advocate uh, Honorable May. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. I accept the explanation, but I'm not satisfied. One of the reasons is that Mr. Goodman, the manager of the DLTC, Jabertina, 
ignored the instructions of the inspectorate. They never gave instructions to close it. They gave instructions that it must be closed the day before the start of the renovations. I've got all the evidence. All of them know about it, but don't. I don't want to discuss it here today. Thank you, Chairperson. He okay. totally ignored the instructions of the, of the inspectorate. Mm. Yeah. Uh, advocate, do you know anything of that sort? Uh, I'm not alive to that, uh, Chairperson. Um, and yeah, I'm not alive to that, Chairperson. And uh, I, I, however, have a, a colleague of mine, uh, Mr. Mbele, um, who I had tasked to do an inspection in local. And the feedback that uh, I provided uh, stemmed from this inspection in local that we did. And yeah, maybe he might want to say a word or two, if at all he's alive to that. Uh, but Chairperson, yes, um, it, it stands to reason that one is not alive to that. Thank you. And Dembele. Thank you, Advocate. Good morning, uh, members of the committee. Yes, it's true. I've been there. I've been to Jovetina, and I'm the head of the inspectorate for driving license testing center. The information that Mr. Mahatu has just given is correct. I've seen the place, it is under construction. I met with the management representative. I've seen the diary of the people that they are servicing there. And in the yard, I've even taken the pictures. There are no obstacles. The yard does not comply with the minimum requirements at all. So they need to revamp the whole area. However, they are doing learner's licenses uh, on three days in a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And they are doing the renewal of driving licenses as well as professional driving permits on daily basis, Monday to Friday. Thank you. Honorable May. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. I investigated this case last year. I think it was early in March. I went to the DLC, Bertina. I went to the municipal manager in, in Carriero. He said, no, he doesn't know anything about the closing of a DLTC. And then I, I spoke to a certain Mr. Fuers there, and then they, uh, I, they said that uh, inspectorate gave them instructions to close it. I went straight away to Port Elizabeth to Mr. Tyron. He read the email in my presence. He phoned Mr. Fluers as well as Mr. Goodman and said, you have got no, you didn't receive any instructions to close the place. And the next day I phoned Mr. Fluers. He said to me, he's not going to take any instructions from the uh, uh, inspectorate. And that's the way they worked in Yobertina. Mr. Goodman totally ignored it. And I've got all the evidence. I've got uh, 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 videos, the lot. I think it's, 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 I can't tell you how I feel. They totally ignored instructions from senior people. And that's why there's no service delivery in South Africa. It's nearly one year and it's still closed. Thank you, Chairperson. I'm finished. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I see. Very long, I, see hmm? uh, I see two hands. That one of Honorable Chris Winsinger. And the last hand on this matter, the last hand will be yours. Thank you very much in that order.
Um, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, I've got a complaint from um, the Springs Licensing Department on issuing of um, PRDPs, uh, Professional Driving Permits. And the situation is that some people have been waiting for nearly a year. Um, I've got incidents where in the Springs Licensing Department, it has taken nine months to issue a PDP. Now, as you know, Chairperson, these are people that earn money through having a PDP. Um, it, it then therefore restricts livelihood, income, etc. Um, but uh, most importantly, and everybody accepts the conditions that we currently have to deal with, the, most importantly, Chairperson, there was no communication. In other words, every effort, every follow-up was always from the client's side, from the applicant wishing to have their PDPs updated. There was zero communication from the traffic department or from any official working at the Springs uh, uh, licensing department. So, Chairperson, I also have all the evidence. Um, I have a lot of complaints, particularly from the office, um, and I would like to hear from the officials then also, Chairperson, what the situation is there, given the opportunity then to raise issues uh, of a particular nature of particular departments and particular places. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I just want to say, Chairperson, that, you know, uh, that Mr. Goodman, that is frustrating, Honorable Pete May, and the failure of him not uh, adhering to um communication from his uh, uh, superiors it, it's an act of insubordination but i think the powers that be in terms of management must not just let this uh, slide i i hear what the um what was said that um, one of the officials went there and it's a construction site uh, but also the fact that it's it's not complying but i think they must also take honorable pit may's um frustrations on board possibly for good measure uh, contact him i think if there's one thing that uh, uh, perhaps maybe they can learn from the uh, recently fired the uh, presser ceo uh, mr Matthews, um, he would pick up the phone and uh, he would speak to all members and he never had an issue of taking our calls and also ensuring that he does what needs to be done um, but that was just a side note. But there's another issue, Chairperson, in Limpopo, for instance, in the Ephraim Mukhala Municipality GLTC, particularly in Marvel Hall. Uh, there's, I recently did an oversight there with my colleague, uh, Lindy Wilson, um, in that area. We have had a situation where there were, there's one farmer that we went with uh, there who was supposed to renew a a licensed disc of a tractor. And when we got there, they just parked the car outside of the fence there, just outside of the fence, and we asked to say, okay, so, uh, so what is the procedure? Right? No, we just park here. And then they come sign, we go inside, we sign all the all the documents, the car is not being tested, we're issued with uh, new papers. And just like Honorable Pit May, we also have full evidence of 
of this thing. And the said farmer that we went with there is also more than willing um, to, to speak to anyone. We're just making um, the department aware and also the, the person that is looking after this directory, especially the DLTC, that there's a lot of corrupt activities which are happening within DLTC. And some of these things are not arrested because as is the frustration of Pit May, sometimes when these issues are raised, um, there's a technical reply that has to come and someone must be shielded. But if perhaps when these issues are raised, uh, maybe the situation can change when they know that uh, members of parliament and all public representatives who are charged with performing oversights, um, when they raise some of these issues that they spring to action. Our objective is not to, to catch out um, the departments, but our objective is to make sure that we somehow assist the department to make sure that they they render an improved service to our communities out there. So perhaps maybe someone who is vested with this issue, um, especially the, the entity, they can look at these things. But I think we're more than willing as well um, to cooperate with, with them should they need more information and make sure that they contact Honorable Pete May and also they can contact some of us as well as we're raising these issues. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. I agree 100% with Mr. Mabena. All we want is service delivery. That's all. Thank you, Chairperson. <clears throat> okay. I think uh, let me also thank the department for coming to the fore and providing information. Members will remember that uh, <clears throat> in our last meeting, we did say Honorable Pete May and uh, Advocate Mahatu should conduct each other and resolve this matter. I hope <clears throat> we'll all remember that. If there is any evidence that is still in your hands, Honorable Pete May, copy it, give it to Advocate Mahatu so that there is consequence management at that level. The same will go for the two members that have spoken today. And over evidence, our duty as the, as the portfolio committee is to assist people, as you are saying. Thank you. Let's close this matter now and then move to the work of the day. We are, uh, thank you, Honorable May. We, um, we have uh, cleared uh, clause 29. Am I right, Advocate? Chairperson, uh, uh, we covered that first, um, first section here on the repealed ordinance. Um, I think there was just some questions as well from members regarding the recent um, regulations on um, foreign uh, PDPs and how the department intends to deal with those uh, based on some of the um, newspaper articles that we've seen. And then again, um, over the weekend and last week, um, the, the truck protests on Van der Rienen passes now new. 
obviously. Um, Chair, so I don't know. Uh, we have dealt with the ordinance issue. I just want to check with members if they still want feedback on the uh, foreign uh, issued PRDPs or if they were happy with um, the explanations provided, Chair. We follow the same route. If members have something to say, I'll see by hands, advocate. If there are no hands, we'll move. In this case, uh, <laughs> there are two hands. At the end of Ubabuketa uh, Mabala, Wagastore, followed by the hands of uh, Honorable McDonald Lawrence. In that order, please. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Honorable Chairperson, I am trying to check with the, the, the department and the, 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 the committee because you see this issue of uh, blocking our, our roads, especially the economic road like N3, uh, is actually a problematic. So, what I'm trying to check because I was listening to. to, to to MEC of Wazulu Natal and MEC of Pumalanga, actually they say nothing because I, I think the committee remembered that there was a, a committee that was formed to deal with the issue of uh, foreigners that have been employed in, 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 in truck industry. So now what I'm trying to check, check present, if we can that, my, that would be my proposal, that if you can get a report from the, the minister or the department to say how far with that, uh, with the committee and how are, we, how, are we, how are they going to deal with the issue of, of blockaging? Because that thing is, is, is escalating. It was now next to Opongolo. Now I think it's in, in, Eastern, in Western Cape, it means all over the country, this thing is going to happen because the, the crisis are just only the crisis that the foreigners are, have been employed by the by, by the, the truck industry. Thank you very much, Chairperson. If they can give us the full report on that one, Chairperson. In that order, please, Honorable McDonald. Yes, hello, my Chairperson. Thank you very much. Um, Chairperson, um, we've discussed this at length before, Chairperson, and, 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 and I agree with what uh, Honorable um, Kitamabala has just said. Um, Chairperson, we, we need to finalize this issue. It's become a problem in this country, whereby drivers can come to the city and get a PDP on the same day that they apply, because they don't have to go through the same hoops that South African citizens have to go through. South African citizens have to go for a criminal check. They have to wait for their fingerprints to come back. They have to wait for many. And in cases like Honorable Hansinger has just mentioned, people are waiting for nine months for their, for, for their licenses. But a foreigner can come to this country with, with a suspect license, but we can't, which we can't check, and get a PDP license immediately. Chipperson, there's not an Uber driver in the Cape province anymore that's South African. All the Uber foods deliveries are done by, by foreigners. South Africa, when are we going to start looking after our own? Uh, and I mean, without being xenophobic or, 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 or anything, we, but we must start looking after our own 
our own South Africans in, in jobs. We, the, the unemployment in this country is reaching an, a critical point, an explosion point, and, and we don't start addressing the small things, like making it very difficult for foreigners to get South African licenses. We will never solve the problem of unemployment in this country, Chairperson. And I, I would really like the department to take a stance on this, and as a committee, we must take a stance on this, Chairperson. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Uh, as the uh, Honorable Ketamabala is lowering. Sorry, Chair. Is that a new hand? Oh, thank no, you. sorry. Thank you. Advocate Almanel, I hope the department has heard this. Can we uh, move, Advocate? Okay. Oh, you want to you want to respond in uh, that the advocate? If it's not going to be uh, a delay to the honourable committee, but um, chairperson, with regard to um, the issue of the tax uh, blockades, maybe let me start off by saying, as a department, we abhor corruption and fraud in our testing stations. So whatever information that honorable members have, and rightly so, Chairperson, uh, I, I, I'll be willing to deal with that uh, if, if it can be shared. And uh, uh, the secretary has my email address and my contact details. If not, uh, I, I do not have a problem sharing them on this platform, uh, Honorable Chairperson. My email address is makha2j at dot.gov.za. And then my mobile number is 078-515-0806. Makha2j at dot.gov.za. My mobile number is 078-515-0806. We note the request for a report by Honorable Ket Um Now, in, in maybe um, responding to what Honorable McDonald has said, uh, as Department Honorable McDonald, we've uh, published a, a, a regulation, regulation 116, uh, which served before the select committee, the NCOP, the Select Committee on Public Service. And Mayor um, Kumelele and I had a discussion after that because um, we had agreed, and this was in the presence of this committee, that when we prepare an A-list, uh, we need to look into that with a view to uh, assist in this regard. So there is work underway uh, from uh, our side as department and the minister as such, uh, for having us having published that uh, regulation 116, capital A, as an insertion. Um, other than that, if you look at the provisions of uh, our National Road Traffic Regulations Chairperson, uh, and that is uh, regulation uh, 319, which is titled hindering or obstructing traffic on a public road. With your permission, Chairperson, the regulation reads as follows. 
that one, no person shall willfully or unnecessarily prevent, hinder or interrupt the free and proper passage of traffic on a public road, right? Two, that subject to the provisions of the act or any other law, no person shall place or abandon or cause uh, uh, to, to be placed or abandoned on a public road, any object that may endanger or cause damage to traffic on such road. So as it is, uh, Chairperson, there is a regulation within the National Road Traffic Act, which uh, creates an offense whenever this kind of incidences uh, happen. And second to that, we've, we've also seen reports where it has been alleged that 12 uh, truck drivers were arrested for a variety of offenses that they uh, committed with regard to the recent blockade that we had. I, I just wanted to, to make that uh, input chairperson, but uh, as department, we really, uh, uh, detest uh, fraud and corruption within our environment, and it's something that we are working towards, Chairperson. Uh, uh, so, yeah, let me stop there. Thank you. Thank you, Advocate Me Almanel. Can we forge ahead, please? Thank you, Chairperson. Um, we're moving on then to clause 30 uh, of the bill and clause 30 amends section 27. Section 27 is the cancellation or amendment of endorsement on license. So Chair, just in my notes, I don't think there's a major issue here. It is um, just to make the clause read better. And um, it specifically also then addresses, for example, changes to visual impairments or endorsements on licenses. So Chair, then in the bill, section 30 reads, section 27 of the principal act is hereby amended by the substitution in subsection one for paragraph B of the following paragraph. So Chair, this is the one that's being changed in the act. Uh, it will now read, on which an endorsement made in terms of section 18 4b or a similar endorsement by a competent authority in a prescribed territory has been affected. So Chair, that is clause 30. Advocate Nell, go to 31. Thank you, Chair. Then clause 31 amends section 28, which is the instructor to be registered. So Chair, we'll see here in my notes. Also, again, I did not foresee any major issues here. There is just a note to take members back to the slide 31 on Annexure A, which was input from the Swanepoel that the department uh, agreed to uh, regarding the definition of instructor. The Act had a far broader definition of this, whereas the bill merely refers one to section 28B. Uh, I will flight that to members just now. I just want to read through our clause 31. 31 is then section 28 of the Principal Act is hereby amended. A, by the substitution for the heading of the following heading, instructor to be registered and graded, and then B, 
by the substitution for subsection two of the following subsection. So we are removing this first no, so the new two will then read, a person shall not employ any other person as an instructor or make use of any other person's services as instructor unless that other person is registered and graded as an instructor in terms of section 28B. Then just to flight um, the PowerPoint, this was the proposal from Ms. Swanepoel, where she just said that she is suggesting that the definition for instructor gets included. And that proposal was that a instructor meets, means any person who, for direct or indirect reward, A, instructs any other person in the driving of a motor vehicle, or B, teaches any other person the rules of the road, road traffic signs, or any other in order to obtain a learner's provisional driving license, driver's license, or professional driving permit. So, Chair, that is the proposed inclusion from the submissions as well as the bill for members' consideration. Advocate, go to 32. I'm looking at my screen as I tell you that. Yes, Chair, then going to clause 32. 32 will amend section 28A. Uh, 28A was a very short section, application for registration as instructor. Again, in my notes, this is merely an expanding of the application process, so there shouldn't be any major issues here. So the new 28 capital A is then proposed in clause 32. Uh, so it will then be the application for registration as instructor, 28A1. Any person desiring to be registered as an instructor shall apply in the prescribed manner at a driving license testing center to the chief executive officer in respect of one or more of the classes of motor vehicles for which a learner's license, provisional driving license, or driving license can be obtained. Then B, Upon receipt of an application for registration as contemplated in subsection one, the driving license testing center shall deal with the application as prescribed. So Chair, that is then the proposed clause 32 for members input and consideration. Advocate, go to 33 members are happy. Thank you, Chair. Then going to 33, clause 33. Okay. This clause will then amend um, section 28 capital B. Section 28 capital B is the registration and grading of instructors. So Chair, just looking at the notes, um, Again here, the comments on slide 31 from Ms. Swanepoel to include the definition of instructor. Since the new proposed definition refers to 28B, in order to determine what an instructor is defined as, the clause will need to either address that definition here or alternatively have been expanded on in the definitions clause above. The amendment under C introduces a new requirement that an instructor must be employed by a registered or graded driving school. Members may have to consider that some driving instructors run sole proprietorships 
and would therefore not be able to employ themselves. Therefore, the department must indicate how these instructors will be dealt with as they must due to the use of and adhere to the four conditions in this section in order to be registered and act as a recognized instructor. So Chair, those were the notes. And then again, amendment under D, E and F does not have any major issues. And then when we get to the further points, there is no amendment proposed to section 28 capital CB in the bill. The committee may need to consider how this provision requiring the attendance of an appropriate refresher course at a training center approved by the shareholders committee which is set up for inspectors per previous clauses can be linked to the requirement of instructors passing a prescribed exam examination per section 28 capital B1A. Clarity must be provided on whether or how regularly refresher courses will be required in order for section 28 capital CB to be enforced and what is the prescribed period. So those were just my notes on clause 33. Then to read 33 for members, Section 28 capital B of the Principal Act is hereby amended, A, by the deletion in subsection one of the word and at the end of paragraph B. So that will be that one. By the substitution in subsection one for the full stop at the end of paragraph C of the expression and. So there gets an and added after fitness. Then C, by the addition in subsection one of the following paragraph, will be a new D, is employed by a registered and graded driving school. Then D, by the insertion of the subsection one of the following subsection, one capital A, a person shall not be registered to act as an instructor if he or she A, has been convicted of an offense listed in schedule one or two to the Criminal Procedure Act, or B, has been convicted of or has paid an admission of guilt fine for driving a motor vehicle while under the influence of intoxicating liquor or a drug having a narcotic effect. Then E, by substitution for subsection 2 of the following subsection. So members will see a 2 and 3 both get uh, amended. So the new 2, a person referred to in subsections 1 and 1 capital A, shall only be registered as instructor in respect of a class of motor vehicle which he or she is licensed to drive. And then if by the substitution for subsection three of the following subsection, three, the chief executive officer shall, if satisfied that an applicant referred to in section 28 capital A complies with subsections one, one capital A and two, register and grade such applicant in the prescribed manner. So, Chair, that is Clause 33 for members' input and consideration. Advocate, thank you very much. Members are happy, Advocate, continue. 34. Yes, thank you, Chair. Then 34, um, members will see there's quite a few new additions here to the Principal Act. So 34 then inserts 28 capital D, E, F, G, and H. This is more details and the expansion on the registration of the driving schools. 
Um, so, Chair, just looking at my notes here, I suggested that the committee spend a bit more time on this clause. Uh, we also need to see the comments on slide 23, Annex A, which was accepted by the department as received from the Department of Transport, KZN. Um, just going to have that one ready uh, once I've read the, the notes. Here then, um, again, instructors must apply to the chief executive officer at a driving license testing center, but the driving schools must apply to the MEC in whose province it will operate. The instructors do not have the additional condition that they must apply to the center in the province in which they operate. There is no provision addressing whether or not an instructor may register in multiple driving centers in multiple provinces. Although the instructor must be employed by a registered driving school, again, there is no specification of whether this must be at a driving school that operates in that specific province. Conversely, there is no indication whether the driving school so registered in the province will be allowed to operate at all the various driving centers in the province or whether they are limited to a specific driving center. Then the department must clarify whether the requirements or conditions for registration of driving schools as referred to in the new 28 capital G will be contained in future regulations or whether there will be reference to some basic requirements in the bill as is provided, for example, in section 28 capital B for instructors. This will be done in regulations, perhaps reference here to the appropriate section in the bill, allowing for such regulations to be issued should be included. So those were my notes, Chair. I'm just going to flag the PowerPoint next to the clause, and then I will get to that one once we get to G and H. So Chair, the new proposed 28D, driving school to be registered, a person shall not operate a driving school unless such driving school is registered and graded. 28E, application for registration of driving school. Any person or organization desiring to operate a driving school shall, in the prescribed manner, apply to the MEC in whose province such driving school will be operated for the registration and grading of such a driving school. Then 28F, registration and grading of driving school. On receipt of an application referred to in section 28E and on the recommendation of the inspectorate of driving schools, the MEC shall, if satisfied that the driving school concern has met the prescribed requirements for registration, register and grade such driving school in the prescribed manner and give notice of such registration and grading in the Provincial Gazette. Then Chair uh, 28G, suspension or cancellation of registration of driving school. The MEC may, in the event that a registered and graded driving school no longer complies with the requirements and conditions for registration after due process, suspend or cancel the registration of such driving school or regrade the driving school in the prescribed manner. And then H, the appointment of inspectorate of driving schools. The minister shall appoint a person, an authority, or an organization as an inspectorate of driving schools. Two, the powers and duties of the inspectorate of driving schools in relation to the inspection and control of standards, grading, and operation of driving schools shall be as prescribed. And three, the minister may, in order to defray expenditure incurred by or on behalf of that inspectorate, for the purposes of performance of its functions, 
prescribed the fees to be paid in respect of inspections carried out in terms of this act. Then Chair, just going to the submission from the Department of Transport KZN, they indicate here in their comments that the Inspectorate of Driving Schools, the reference to Section 28G is incorrect. It should be 28H. Um, just noting that one there, Chair, uh, the Department did accept this and indicate that it will be affected. So, Chair, that is the proposed clause 34 for the inclusion of these um, provisions to register and regulate and inspect the driving schools for members' input and consideration. <clears throat> Advocate. Oh. <clears throat> Mama. When I was a pumelele, Kuluma Majogo was a goose, so Tatuba will get a mobile Thank you so much, Professor. I trust I'm audible. Uh, good morning, members, and greetings to everybody on the platform. Chaperson, I just wanted to ask one thing for clarity, and when we go forward with the department in preparing the amendments, is the grading that we speak of in these provisions related to both the structure? And the person, for an example, we were discussing the instructor provisions and how they will be registered and graded. Does that also apply? Because I see it appears and it was making confusion to me. Does it apply to the persons as well as the structures or only the persons must be graded and the other structures are registered in terms of the prescribed uh, provisions? If the department can just clarify me on that, because when I read the provisions, I get confused whether grading and registration applies to both as a person as well as the structure, whether it's a driving school or it's just an instructor in the driving school. Just clarity on that, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Ms. Pumele Lengema. You are an advisor, parliamentary advisor. Yes, Chairperson, it's the parliamentary advisor. I'm sorry I didn't say it. <clears throat> I remember you. Mondis? Mangate. Thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, I was checking there on, on under legislation. Let me check the 2018. It says a person shall not operate a driving school unless such driving school is registered and graded. What I'm trying to check, to check, Chairperson, are they talking about the, the existing driving schools or the, 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 the coming driving schools? Because that need to be clarified. Because if you are talking about the driving school, driving schools upgrading and registered, but they already registered that driving school and upgraded driving school. And that the last one, person is that one. What I'm trying to check is that uh, actually who's supposed to, to upgrade the, the, the licenses? Is that the MEC or the minister? Thank you very much, Chair. Chambas. Unlike the advisor there, I 
I, I refuse to be confused. <laughs> and, and I also refuse uh, to feel frustrated like I am today. However, that was going to be my first question. Who exactly are we registering here? Uh, but that, uh, that articulation was done very well. Now, in, in 34 or driving school to be registered, it says the person shall not operate a driving school unless such driving school is registered and graded. I think that question has been asked. And yeah. uh, there was an issue of emphasis. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Hello? Baba Uman. Baba Yes. Baba Uketa Mobile. Oma wule tumde ne family msanganweni. Kamange te mondis. Baba le lenga pandem for it to mute. Kubega msawa. Thanks, Chairperson. There was that uh, point of emphasis that the uh, advocate was asking the committee to live de- deliberate on. And uh, at the time, I'm trying to unmute and raise hand. If that could be repeated, please. <clears throat> the chairperson here. Is this whole issue of, in instances, we refer to the MEC. In other instances, uh, we refer to the minister. And I think I had raised the issue of the minister appointing a person in one other area. I think it was on the, maybe it was the vehicle testing stations. I can't remember, but I'd raised the same point. When is it the minister? When is it the province? And when is it the CEO? It appears to me generally these are used interchangeably. And uh, I suspect that it might create either loopholes or it might create a level of, uh, of, of, of frustration. Like one that has been uh, put up, they say suspension and cancellation of registration. The chief executive officer may uh, cancel and so forth. So I'm just a bit concerned about this usage of these three offices uh, in a very, very, in my view, way that could either create confusion or create loopholes for people to abuse those areas. And lastly, Chair, if maybe uh, through you, Advocate could repeat the things that she would have wanted us to zoom into. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Member Obaba Uchambas. Advocate. See, um, it is exactly this this concern that the members have raised. Um, Members will see uh, my notes. Uh, I know it's a a little bit small. Just going to try and enlarge it. There we go. Um, there's, There's a difference in the bill that we need to make sure that it's clear and it it comes out clear because we have instructors that are the instructors and persons that will test you when you go to the testing center. Then we have instructors that are driving school instructors. So we need to make sure about 
whether these guys are going to apply at the same person um, to be registered and graded as instructors. So will they then go to the chief executive officer at a driving license testing center? Or will they go to the MEC in the province or do they apply to the minister? Then chair, there is the, the other one, the aspect then of the driving schools where we hear say, um, it's already seen in the bill that the instructors have to go to the CEO uh, at the driving license to apply at the driving license testing center. But the driving schools in terms of these clauses here, the driving school must apply to the MEC in terms of 28 capital E, the MEC in whose province they will operate. But Chair, then my concern there was the, um, the instructors do not have an additional condition that they must apply at the center in the province in which they operate. So the question that I had there in my reading of the bulk, we need to have clarity on whether or not your, um, let's say it's an instructor that's gonna test you. Can they only be registered and graded at the specific testing center where they work? Or can they be registered and graded for any testing center throughout the country? The same question then for the driving schools and the driving school instructor. Where do they go? Can they only operate at a specific DLTC? I make this example out of my own experience there in um, Potchefstroom. Growing up, there was the notion that if you want to get your driving license easy, you go to Paris or you go to Clarksdorp or Stilfontein. Um, but the question is then, where are your driving schools going to be limited to the specific DLTC, for example, Potchefstroom? Or will they be allowed to be registered, um, as it says there, the MEC in whose province they will operate? Can they then take their driving school to any DLTC throughout the province? Um, so there's just clarity on that, MEC uh, members, that, that I think we need to have so that we know um, this may also cause some issues for the driving school operations, where some driving schools may say that others are... Um, encroaching on their area, because let's say the waiting area at one station is long, so these driving schools, they want to bring their, um, their clients to another driving school, but that then takes away the possibilities of that local driving school to having clients. I think it's very important for us to look at that aspect uh, if we also consider how the taxi operations are affected when new operators come into areas where old operators have been registered for a while. Um, that's why I wanted to flag this for members um, and that we need clarity here. Um, it's the, similar to the question that our parliamentary legal advisor asked in terms of who gets registered and graded. Is it the person or the institution or both? And then if they get registered and graded, where are they limited in scope or are they able to operate throughout the province or throughout the, the nation? So, Chair, that is um, my concerns. I hope that um, clarifies it for the members. Um, there we are. Can we have the Babu Man? Thank you, Chair. I, I think, uh, yes, uh, advocate, it does clarify. I, I needed that clarification. 
um, it it would appear to me that, uh, as I said, we might create a lot of loopholes, uh, and I'm hoping that the department would be able to streamline this in a much more simpler way. Uh, the issue raised uh, by both the parliamentary advisor advocate now of uh, who's graded or not, I, I think, uh, whilst I think I have an answer now, but maybe the department will be better placed to, to answer that. But for me, what it raises is an issue of, uh, as advocate says, uh, creating tests where people say this is our area, not allowing others. Are we not risking doing that? And also, are we also not restricting people from doing business anywhere in the country? And I think we are beginning to see these terrible incidents of people claiming that people cannot come in their area for certain uh, business opportunities which takes us way back uh, before 94, where people are put in, in silos. Now, my, my view is that uh, we need to find a way of streamlining this and make it as much simpler as it is possibly can be. Um, although it's not in this clause, maybe if the department is allowed through you, Chairperson, to... No, before I get there, there's this issue that uh, the issue of registering, uh, I think advocate raised it, but I want to, re to raise it again and amplify it. Says uh, an instructors must be employed by registered driving school. Uh, and the point that she makes, which I concur with, what if on leaving parliament, uh, after my term, I decide to be a freelancer or a one-man show of doing uh, in training people, why should I register? Or what is the requirement for me to register is if I can't do it as, as myself without having a complication of registering a company? So for me, that clarity would really assist. Lastly, Chair, as I was saying, it would help, although it's not in this clause, maybe if the department in answering can assist also in saying, when you register your traffic officers, your examiners, uh, are they also subject to the same limitations per province, per municipality, or whatever the case may be, and what is the reason for that? Thank you, Chair. Baba O Johannes Omo Advocate Gamahat and your colleagues. Uh, thanks, Chairperson. Okay, um, let's start with the inputs by uh, the Honorable Ketamabala. The, the, the submission or the comment that uh, he made was around whether this would apply to existing or to be formed insofar as 28D is concerned. Um, as it is, uh, Chairperson, this is groundbreaking 
in terms of us as department, uh, having taken the initiative to regulate driving schools. Um, this is a first and this has never happened before. Um, I think we need to put that on record. And second to that is that the law, when it applies, it applies prospectively, meaning that from the time that it's signed into law and, uh, and, and into an act and it becomes operational, um, it will be from, date, from that date moving forward. Um, Chairperson and members would agree that anyone and everyone out there can simply get into their car and teach somebody to drive. Whether they follow the K-53 rules or anything to that effect, it's another matter. So in us regulating that, we're trying to uh, close that uh, loophole. Now, on the issue of whether uh, is the MEC or the minister as such uh, who does upgrades. Um, we're devolving powers that initially vested in the minister and then now they have been accorded to the respective agencies of provinces. And in addition to that, uh, and I'll go back to this, there is in the act, reference to uh, section 93, capital A, transitional provisions, which will give you in what instances and which sections the MEC or the CEO or uh, the MEC and the CEO will come in. Uh, we've, we've had this uh, discussion before. Now, moving on to uh, what uh, said in terms of the confusion um, whether it's the grading of the structure or uh, the person. The pro uh, and, and, and in this instance, reference would be made to uh, the proposal set out in 28D that uh, a person shall not operate a driving school unless such driving school is registered and graded. As it is, Chairperson, so, so if you take that, the sum total of that is that uh, there would be that grading of that particular driving school. But as the setup or our system exists now, you find that, for say, for example, a, a, a testing station, we have grade A, B, C, and D testing stations. And in terms of how they are graded, with, with regard to the grading, I mean, the, uh, grade A, it means this testing station can do almost everything. And in it, it must have an examiner who's also a grade A or B or C. So, we are not moving away from that which is currently in existence, but then to simply bring it to the, uh, what we intend to regulate under uh, driving schools. Okay. Now, um, also the point that was made by Honorable Manu, uh, I think amplifying what Kumilele uh, has said, I hope uh, Honorable Member uh, I've clarified that. And yeah, indeed, 
streamlining and simplifying um, th th that is in order, uh, honorable member. And now, Chairperson, the act itself as it sits, right? It, it will give you the skeleton of what we envisage to do. Meaning that issues related to the who, the what, the when, and the how will be in the uh, regulations that we will be, uh, in fact, there is a draft already that was sent out for comment uh, insofar as issues related to registration and grading of driving uh, schools. Right. Um, then now, uh, there are comments or inputs that were made by Advocate Nell uh, on the differentiation between instructors and driving school in instructors. <laughs> in, in the DLTCs as it exists, there is somebody who as an instructor or examiner as the case may be, when you go out there and maneuver the vehicle within the, the, uh, the test surfaces, they will be checking on whether are you able to drive or do whatever it is that you are supposed to be doing in terms of the particular code that you're applying for. And therefore, with regard to driving instructors, that, that is that distinction that uh, needs to be drawn. Driving school instructors, there is that distinction that would need to be drawn. That we have those that are attached to a particular uh, testing station or DLTC as the case may be, and there would be uh, driving schools instructors who would be appointed or employed by the uh, driving school itself. And there would be certain minimum requirements that they would have to meet, right? References was made to uh, RTMC publishing uh, either courses or course with regard to uh, registration of such and meeting those requirements. Um, there was another point, um, oh, around whether it will be a registration as a driving instructor within a particular province or that this person uh, can apply their trade elsewhere. Now, it, it, it would be a myopic uh, chairperson for one to state that uh, it will be confined to that particular province. Uh, in terms of if we were to legislate, why chairperson, people move on in life to further and better opportunities elsewhere. The, the important thing is this person must meet the prescribed requirements as outlined in our legislation and uh, be able to carry out irrespective of where they, where, wherever they would want to be employed. But then with regard to registration of a a driving school, if it's confined within that particular province, then the application ideally should be made to the MEC of that uh, particular province, wherever uh, uh, the, such driving school would be located. Uh, um, I, unless I, I might have missed it, Chairperson, I would like to believe that. I have addressed uh, the concerns that uh, the honorable members have raised. 
I'm not certain whether uh, uh, with your permission, Chairperson, Mr. Mutatin would want to add on to what I said, uh, Chairperson. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, Advocate. Mr. Mtazi. Um, <clears throat> good, 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 good morning, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members. I think the Advocate has said the mouthful. I do not have anything to add. Thank you, Chairperson. You always say, say like this, ne? and uh, you are good because you know protocol. Advocate, I, I, I submit, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Advocate Almanel. Thank you, Chair. Um, then I hope all the members' issues were addressed. Can I move to clause 35, then, Chair? That's what I was trying to say to you. I'm there, I'm there with you, Chairperson. Thank Chair, you. clause 35, then amend section 29, which is the voidness of learners or driving license issued contrary to the chapter. So, Chair, just on my notes here, <clears throat> we just may need some clarity from the department whether the inspection process to determine the voidness of a license would allow for submissions by the holder of such a license to be made. The department can also indicate to members how or where it is catered for in the bill to allow holders affected by this section to possibly appeal the decision by the MEC. Chair, this is then linked also to the previous clause where it allowed for the submission of affidavits to call for um, the cancellation of driving licenses, but when you look at voidness, it's normally whether or not there was an impropriety when the license was issued. Um, but let me just go through the new, propo uh, new proposed section 29. So here is also a change to the heading, uh, voidness of licenses issued contrary to this chapter. So the new 29 will be three subsections, 29.1, a learner's license, provisional driving license or driving license or any document purporting to be a learner's license, provisional driving license or driving license that is issued contrary to this chapter shall after an investigation has been conducted and upon recommendation of the inspectorate of driving license testing centers or the provincial inspectorate as prescribed be declared void by the MEC concerned. Sub two, the MEC concerned may, after such license, provisional driving license or driving license has been declared void, request the holder of such learner's license, provisional driving license or driving license to forthwith submit such document to the provincial inspectorate or inspectorate of driving license testing centers who shall destroy the document. Sub three, the MEC concerned may, subject to prescribed conditions, declare such learner's license, provisional driving license or driving license to be a valid license from the date of issue of such document. So Chair, there, this is uh, brought up because there was quite a few instances of investigations uh, where there was impropriety in the issuing of the learners or the driver's license. 
those investigations would then have affected those officials itself, but then also be traced back to the specific licenses issued under those conditions, and then those licenses then become void. So um, it's just whether or not this is then only done through inspections, whether there's a process where somebody can submit uh, information to the inspectorate, um, we might just need some clarity on how that is um, initiated. Uh, but that is then clause 35 for members consideration check. <clears throat> the department that the Mahatu can quickly deal with the um, pertinent so, questions yes. before I look around. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Chairperson. So let's use the example that uh, Honorable Mabena made reference to about a um, a, a, a in Ephraim Mohali DLTC where somebody simply packs their tra tractor and then without it going through the necessary roadworthiness testing and this person is provided with that with 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 the roadways. Chairperson, um if somebody were to go that route and upon an investigation it is established that um the license or whatever it is was issued contrary to the provisions of the law. Remember, Chairperson, we have an inspectorate within the department. We also have uh, SABS in terms of the MOU that we sign with them as our uh, agent. And this bill is envisaging establishment of provincial inspectorates that would go out and do this kind of work to thwart corruption within our road traffic environment. So in these instances, if such an investigation is done, um, there would be a process that would be followed wherein that person implicated by such would be afforded an opportunity to provide written reasons why based on the investigation that was conducted, they should not be deemed invalid or void uh, in terms of the word that's been used. And with that said, having applied their mind to the issue at hand, the respective MEC would make a decision on that. And if the decision is that that license is uh, void, uh, the aggrieved person would have a right to lodge an appeal to the minister. And that is provided for in, in, uh, uh, in, in our act that um, should you want to take this matter forward, you can appeal to the minister and then um, uh, the minister will, having heard both sides of the story, make a determination on that. So, there is that in, in our legislation. I hope I've, uh, I've addressed the, the comment by other people. Thanks. Okay, thanks, um, advocate, advocate. I'm dealing with advocates now here. I'm looking and I can see that uh, we should move to 36 now. 
Advocate Almaner. Thank you, Chairperson. Then going to clause 36, um, which is a new section 30, just to have section 30 here for members. It's a very small clause. Um, and then just looking at the notes, the act provided for the onus being on the holder of the license to ensure that it is not used by other persons. This, however, is difficult to justify in instances where the license has been stolen or fraudulently copied as part of identity theft, whereas this new section places the onus on the user of another person's license. So um, this one uh, is just a better, uh, better phrasing and better protection. So the new section 30 will then be use of somebody's learner's license, provisional driving license or driving license by another person prohibited. No person shall use any other person's learner's license, provisional driving license or driving license and present such license as his or her own. So Chair, this is um, a, a better formulation of that instead of putting the onus on the person whose license is actually being used. Um, Chair, that is clause 36. Advocate Almanel, I plead with you that we go to 37. Chair, then clause 37. Uh, substitute section 31, which was also, again, a very short section. Um, just here on the notes, there's a suggestion that the clause be improved to link the employment to that of employed as a driver or employer for purposes of driving. This is suggested as it may be used to turn staff without valid driving licenses or who may have suspended licenses away or to terminate their employment at companies that are freight or delivery companies, whether or not those persons are employed to drive the vehicles or not. For example, they could be employed just to work in the office of the company and not require a driving license. So the focus should be on the prevention of the employment as driver while the employee is not a holder of a driving license. The new proposed uh, subsection 31.2 is the preferred formulation. And then also, uh, we may also consider linking the need that many of these drivers should also be holders of PDPs issued in terms of section 32, especially when one uses reference to operators in the proposed amendment. This may assist in ensuring the public transport operators are required to only employ holders of driving licenses as well as PDPs to drive public transport vehicles. This will include shuttles, staff transport, taxis, buses, scholar transport, and all other people carrying services. So Chair, those were the notes, then getting to the new uh, proposed section 31, new heading as well, unlicensed driver, not to be employed or permitted to drive motor vehicle. 31.1. A person who is the owner or operator or is in charge or control of a motor vehicle shall not employ or permit any other person to drive that vehicle on a public road unless that other person is licensed in accordance with this chapter to drive the vehicle. 
sub two, the owner or operator shall, before the person referred to in subsection one, drives a vehicle as contemplated in subsection one, take the necessary steps to ensure that such person is licensed accordingly. So, Chair, that is clause 37. <clears throat> 37, Honorable Manu. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Let me just reduce this one. Chair, I, I wanted to get maybe through you a confirmation or comment from the department as to how this clause links or assists us in dealing with the issue that was raised earlier on by colleagues around foreign drivers, because we are talking also about the professional driver to have permit, and we are talking in the proposal 37.2 that the person referred to in subject drives a vehicle as contemplated in subsection one, take the necessary steps to ensure that such person is licensed accordingly. Now I'm reading all these in the context of what uh, uh, Advocate Machado said of the regulations that are out there. So can we just have a, a understanding or at least be enlightened as to how these that is before us together with the regulations that are out for public comment assist us in dealing with the issues that uh, members raised earlier thank you chair thank you honorable manu uh, the department can we proceed Okay, um, thanks for that, uh, honorable man. The, maybe let, let, let me start off by saying this. Um, what we are trying to, what we're seeking to address in terms of regulation 116, capital A, uh, chairperson, is to simply say, um, if you are to drive a South African registered, a rig or yeah, a rig, let me call it a rig. Um, you would need to comply with our legislations, including what Honorable McDonald earlier on made reference to the criminal checks, a, um, health checks, and whether this person does not have any offenses on reckless and negligent driving. That, that, that's what we are trying to say. Now, a, a, a PRDP is a, so it's, it's a, by its very nature, Chairperson, it's a professional driving permit, which seeks to say that this person is an above average person who knows how to control such an articulated truck. And, uh, yeah, they've gone through those uh, checks and balances, right, which I've just referred to now. Now, read that against what is currently uh, in place. If a foreign national drives a foreign registered truck 
on our South African roads, which is what is currently happening. There is no issue around that, Chairperson. They'll be allowed to drive to the point of destination and drive out and that will be it, right? But then, Chairperson, if they were to now drive a South African registered uh, truck, we are saying this is what needs to happen. So now, as it is now, the, it's more of a complementary provision to what is currently out there, if, if you look at this, because it behoves the owner of that particular vehicle that one, if you are to employ this person or you are to put this person in charge of this uh, motor vehicle, right? This person uh, must be licensed in accordance with our uh, established uh, legislation uh, and what, what is out there. Thanks, I will leave it at that. <clears throat> and after that hint of Honorable McDonald. Thank you, Chairperson. You, you are correct. It was after hearing um, the advocate's um, explanation, um, I just thought of something and I, I would like to seek some clarity through you, Chairperson, if possible. Chairperson, um, yes, um, what about a South African driving a foreign registered vehicle? Um, because there's this new tendency for people to buy vehicles in the suit to buy vehicles in Mozambique and then drive them, South Africans driving them. Uh, firstly, they don't pay licensing fees. Secondly, they don't pay uh, all the taxes, but they drive these vehicles on our roads every day. And um, how are we going to combat this in, in the context of what the advocate has just said? Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Advocate, you want to say something? Okay, thanks, uh, Chairperson. Um, there is, let me start off by saying, there is mutual recognition of uh, driving licenses, Chairperson, uh, and this is also covered in our legislation. And there is also reference to prescribed territory, which would include uh, the cited countries and those listed in the act. Now, um, if somebody were to buy, a, a South African were to buy a, a, a foreign registered vehicle, a, a, a sedan, for example, this person by their very nature, they've complied with our prescribed legislations. Now, I, I think it would be incorrect of us not to, to say that this person, you, you mustn't drive a, a vehicle that is registered, say Botswana and whatever. The only thing is, as and when this uh, on that vehicle expires, they must they will suffer the inconvenience of having to either go there or whichever way the the, the Botswana legislation is configured. I'm using that as an example that this person must see to you that it's legal on their foot and it, it is compliant and that the disc is not expired and so forth. 
that, that, that would be my, my response uh, to that. And other than that, Chairperson, there, there has been a, I think there is a court case where which involved a, a South African receiver of revenue. And if my recollection is correct, in so far as uh, uh, foreign registered vehicles are concerned, uh, uh, we lost that uh, as government chairperson. So I, I stand to be corrected, but there is something to that effect. Thanks, Chairperson. <clears throat> Honorable McDonald. Chairperson, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. Um, Chairperson, I, I'm not really covered yet, Chairperson. I, I want to use this as an example, Chairperson, when um, many years ago, um, I made the fortune of living in uh, Mozambique with a South African-owned vehicle. And in Mozambique, and this is the same for, for Zimbabwe, your, when you cross over with a vehicle, your, your vehicle is only valid in that country for, for 30 days. And um, we don't have... And if we, we, we always say that we have got agreements with other countries and the SADC region, region but it's not, it's, it's not the same. So a person can buy a vehicle in Mozambique, then drive it as a tech in South Africa, which recently happened where, where um, I think seven or eight people burned to death in a taxi that was Mozambique registered, but driven by a South African that didn't have a PDP that because... He, he drove that vehicle because he knows that that vehicle is never going to be stopped and asked for a PDP uh, chairperson. And I, 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 I'm finding it difficult to understand. If we are going to build a, bring a bill that's going to close these loopholes, we must look a little bit further and how these things are put together. Because I'm, I'm very worried that, about all these um, Unroadworthy vehicles that are coming into the country, Mozambique registered, the Sutu registered vehicles. Chairperson, as a, as a side note, um, I met a, a, a young man in, in Beaufort West, of all places, that had a, had a, had a Sutu vehicle. And he told me straight, he bought the vehicle there for 40,000 Rand cheaper. Um, and he's never going to take it back to have a license disc. He's just going to copy and paste it with, on, on, on Photoshop. And there's no way for the South African um, um, licensing department to actually even check that, Chairperson. So I'm, I'm a bit concerned, Chairperson, but it is what it is. Thank you, Chairperson. <clears throat> Thank you, Honorable McDonald, as well. I think Chaperson has a suggestion in terms of the concerns that are being raised and for purposes of record. I would suggest that the committee gives us permission when we look at the amendments to relook at 31 and 32 in terms of the serious issues that have been raised and how it impacts on the prescribed territories and, and, and the conventions and the treaties that we have signed internationally as well, and not only restricting it into SADC. Because if we, if we are going to get to Section 32 Amendment now, it also does not look into amending subsection 3 of Section 32, which I think in order for us to take into account the experiences that the members have pointed out and the challenges that the department is facing, 
32.3 needs to be relooked at rather than the, 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 the legislatures as parliament hoping this will be sorted out in the regulations. I think the enabling provision is the main primary um, document. It must speak to this issue and it must be very clear, expressed as to what should be the position moving forward. Hence, I'm suggesting the permission to relook at 32 in its entirety rather than only provision one when we are, when we are preparing the amendment list of what the members have found concern with. It will also not create much of a problem because section 32 is already amended and in, in the introduced bill which the committee is dealing with. So it's not one of those that will create problems to seek the permit of the, of the house uh, in going forward. That would be my suggestion, Shepherson, that both 31 and 32 be seriously looked at when we draft the proposal. <clears throat> there is the suggestion. Advocate, are you fine with the suggestion? Advocate yes. Uh, oh, okay, sorry. Yes, Chairperson. I think it's in the previous uh, discussion, Chairperson, that's what we agree that when the A-list is done, we need to revisit this, uh, Chairperson. So yes, um, it's, it's acceptable, Chairperson. Thank you very much, honorable members. <clears throat> are we agreeing with, the, with this? I think it should be, there we are. See the hand, I like your hand. Uh, so I don't want it to get tired. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Can we go to 38? Yes, Chair, then clause 38 gets to this um, concerns with section 32. Um, so Chair, just going through the notes, um, as indicated in my notes, I think it's going to be a contentious clause uh, that will require further deliberation and clarity. Again, comments above on the proposed amendments from Ms. Swanepoel linking other sections to this clause um, as it relates to recognition of foreign issued PDPs is um, again noted. And then also just for members to note, comments from submissions by Kosatu requesting more stringent conditions to be placed to obtain PDPs, Satsua requesting the consideration of expanding these permits to that of a certificate and other submissions requesting more stringent regulation of standards applied to foreign PDPs to ensure they are compliant to that issued locally as well as the additional submissions received from the Swanepoel regarding the view that recognition or acceptance of foreign PDPs are a gray area with no specific requirements in section 32 on what is acceptable and what is not she proposes the use of traffic register number certificates for all drivers with foreign licenses, as it would also ensure that ARTO demerits can apply to those drivers. Then also bear in mind, this clause will be linked to sections addressing the BAC levels of holders of PDPs, which is our uh, breath and blood alcohol levels. And then um, of concern is the inclusion on the last sentence where the bill indicates that the examiner of a PDP learner would not be required to be a holder of a PDP him or herself, yet the learner must at all other times be accompanied by the holder of such a PDP when they drive. 
This must be clarified by the department as one would expect an examiner to hold the same type of license linked to the vehicle or license so applied for and over which the examiner must supervise or test learner capabilities. One would, for example, not say that the examiner of a light motor vehicle driving license applicant does not have to be a holder of a driving license. Then getting to the clause, um, as indicated by the Parliament Legal Advisor, this is only an amendment of 32.1, and it does not touch 32.2. But then reading the proposed um, insertion as the bill, uh, Section 32 of the Principal Act is hereby amended by a substitution for subsection 1 of the following subsection. A person shall not drive a motor vehicle of a prescribed class on a public road, except in accordance with the conditions of a professional driving permit issued to him or her in accordance with this clause, and unless he or she keeps such permit with him or her in the vehicle, provided that this subsection shall not apply to the holder of a learner's license who drives such vehicle while he or she is accompanied by a person who is the holder of a professional driving permit in respect of the class of vehicle and who is in possession of such permit, provided further that if the person accompanying such person is an examiner of driving licenses, such examiner does not have to be the holder of a professional driving permit. So, Chair, that is then clause 38 for consideration by members. <clears throat> Advocate, please go to 39. Thank you, Chair. Um, clause 39 amends section 33, which is the production of a license and permit to court. Uh, on the notes, no major issues with amending this clause. It removes a redundant reference linked to the production of a duplicate document to the court. So, Chair, here we have 39. Um, section 33 of the Principal Act is hereby amended by the substitution for subsection 1 of the following subsection. If any person is charged with any offence in terms of this act relating to the driving of a motor vehicle or a failure to stop after or report an accident, you or she shall produce every license and permit of which he or she is the holder or a duplicate thereof issued in terms of this act to the court at the time of the hearing of the charge. So, Chair, that is Clause 39. <clears throat> Advocate, I now implore you to go to Clause 40. Chairperson, Clause 40 amends Section 34 of the Act, uh, 34 sub 4. Just want to get the... One, two, three, it inserts sub four. Uh, Chair, just on the notes, no major issues again here. This clause will ensure that court orders are linked to license suspensions when persons drive without licenses and that it is noted in the register for driving licenses. This does place an additional burden on the court registrar or clerk to relay this order to the relevant MEC. The department could indicate whether the Department of Justice had any input on all objections to this clause. Then just to read the clause for members, um, 
Section 34 of the Principal Act is hereby amended by the addition of the following subsection, sub 4, where a court has issued an order in terms of subsection 1C, the registrar or the clerk of the court shall notify the MEC in the prescribed manner of such order, and the MEC shall record such order in the register for driving licenses. That is clause 40, Chair. Advocate. Likewise, I implore you to go to 41. Thank you, Chair. I'm just trying to get our bowl to the right spot here. And there we go. So, Chief, clause 41 then adds a new section, uh, section 53, capital A. the delegation by MECs. So Chair, just based on the notes, again, no major issues here. It's a standard delegation clause. However, members have indicated the concern over the use of any person in previous clauses. Uh, when we read the delegation clause by the CEO in section 53, it refers to delegation to an employee of the corporation. It may be prudent to also link the MEC's delegation to an employee of the relevant provincial department. So Chair, then reading the new proposed clause, delegation by MEC 53 capital A1, the MEC of the province concerned may, subject to such conditions as he or she may deem necessary, delegate to any person, any power confirmed upon him or her in terms of this act. Sub two, any delegation or authorization under subsection one, shall not prevent the MEC from exercising that power or carrying out that duty himself or herself. Chair, that is clause 41. Thank you, Advocate. Clause 42. Thank you, Chair. Clause 42, then amend section 57 which is the authority to display road traffic signs. Uh, and here we get um, six, subsection seven and eight being amended. So just going here. Okay. Um, then clause 42, just on my notes here, Chair, it links PRASA to the existing provisions regarding the erecting of traffic signs within rail reserves. Uh, the concerns raised by members regarding reference to only PRASA and Transnet and not other rail operators, such as Gautrain or private businesses that have rail lines in yards for freight transport purposes, such as iron ore company BHP or mines, will also be applicable here. So Chair, then just reading the clause, um, clause 42, section 57 of the Principal Act is hereby amended by the substitution for subsection seven and eight of the following subsections respectively. Seven, the Passenger Rail Agency of South Africa, Transnet Limited, or a person in the employment who has either generally or specifically been authorized thereto may in respect of any railway level crossing on any public road for which the passenger rail agency of South Africa or Transnet Limited is responsible 
cause or permit to be displayed in the prescribed manner any such road traffic signs as the Passenger Rail Agency of South Africa or Transnet Limited or such person may deem expedient. Then sub A, notwithstanding the provisions of subsections three and seven, the MEC concerned may direct that any road traffic sign be displayed or removed by a local authority on or along any public road in the area of jurisdiction of such local authority or by Transnet Limited or the Passenger Rail Agency of Africa on or along any railway level crossing over a public road for which Transnet Limited or the Passenger Rail Agency of South Africa is responsible. And if the local authority concerned, Transnet Limited or the Passenger Rail Agency of South Africa fails to comply with the direction, the MEC or any person authorized thereto by him or her may cause such sign to be displayed or removed as the case may be and the MEC shall recover the cost of such display or removal from the local authority concerned or from Transnet Limited or the Passenger Rail Agency of South Africa, as the case may be. Chair, that is Clause 42 for members' input and consideration. Advocate, I hear you. Let me get the Honorable man. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, as Advocate rightfully said, I think I am the one who had raised this, and I think it is my view that we should uh, include the other operators that, as stipulated here, would have the responsibility of managing or running such uh, level crossings uh, either now or in future. So my proposition is that uh, this clause should include uh, such uh, allowance for those as, as indicated in this example. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, uh, Honorable L.N. Mang. Advocate uh, Jay. Mahatu. Um, Chairperson, I, I have no uh, comments on that. Um, if uh, the Honorable Committee so proposes, uh, it's something that we would uh, accept. Thank you. Any seconda to Honorable Manu's proposal? A second or a chair, person? Any other view except this view? Thank you very much. Advocate Almanel, clause 43. Thank you, Chairperson. Clause 43 amends section 58. Uh, this is the failure to obey road traffic sign prohibited. Uh, Chair, just on my notes, again, no major issues here. It is consequential linked to the amended definition of an emergency vehicle. Uh, the concern raised by members regarding whether this will allow doctors doing emergency house calls with a light on their vehicle 
will be applicable here as well. Um, Chair, then just reading the clause for members, section 58 of the Principal Act is hereby amended by the substitution for subsection three of the following subsection. And just to highlight three there for members, here we go. Um, three, the driver of an emergency vehicle who drives such vehicle in the performance of his or her duties, a traffic officer or a person appointed in terms of the South African Police Service Act, who drives a vehicle in the carrying out of his or her duties, or any person driving a vehicle while responding to a disaster as contemplated in the Disaster Management Act, may disregard the directions of a road traffic sign, which is displayed in the prescribed manner, provided that A, he or she shall drive the vehicle concerned with due regard to the safety of other traffic. B, in the case of any such firefighting vehicle, firefighting response vehicle, rescue vehicle, emergency medical response vehicle, ambulance, emergency vehicle, or any vehicle driven by a person while such person is responding to a disaster as contemplated in the Disaster Management Act, such vehicle shall be fitted with a device capable of emitting a prescribed sound and with an identifying lamp as prescribed and such device shall be so sounded and such lamp shall be in operation while the vehicle is driven in disregard of the road traffic sign. And C, in a case where such vehicle is approaching an intersection, the driver of such vehicle shall stop at the intersection and proceed only when it is safe to do so whilst a traffic signal is displaying a steady or flashing red light or is a stop sign. Chair, that is clause 43. Honourable McDonald. Um, as I lower my hand, Chairperson, thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, Chairperson, I just wanted to to get some clarity. Um, I, I I I'm I'm fortunate enough to drive up and down the country a lot, and um, there's a new tendency for trucks, uh, especially um, trucks carrying. Um, uh, cars, new cars that have got orange flashing lights on them, like um, um, uh, emergency vehicles, uh, recovery vehicles um, on the highways, and 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 also um, it's become a norm to see um, light motor vehicles with orange lights driving on the roads. That's got a, a construction vehicle on it, but. They're not even near a construction uh, site, but they're driving with their um, uh, orange lights on. Jefferson, can I get some clarity on that? If, if, on, on how, how is this going to be addressed? Because I, I know for a fact that a person is not allowed to use those, the, those lights specifically on trucks, but they are being used every day. They drive right past the traffic officers. Traffic officers do nothing about it. Um, how are we going to address that? And if we are going to address it, or is it just going to be left like that? Thank you, Chairperson. <clears throat> Thank you, Honorable Member. Honorable Hun Singer. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, I want to support the concern of Honorable McDonald. Um, in areas where you often have fog or mist, uh, either in the morning or in the evening, uh, there's also a trend, which is a fairly recent one, to drive with hazards. I do understand that it might lead 
to being more visible. However, in terms of K53 and in terms of what you get taught with driving schools, hazards are used uh, when you are parked next to the road to make it visible that you have a problem and that the vehicle is standing still. Um, so the use of hazards during a, a condition of being in motion, therefore, creates absolute havoc. Um, and if it's not, if it's not described um, in what we're currently busy with, I would suggest that the prohibition or the specification of the use of hazards uh, must be specified because it is now up to everybody's own um, interpretation of when to use it, uh, which then just causes confusion. So I think it's high time that clarity be, be um, sort of uh, focused on this. Um, I have also observed vehicles which have an additional set of lights at the back that flash the whole time, similar to hazards. So this is then a contraption in addition to hazards, which then cause additional confusion. So I would then also submit that um, we be clear on the additional sets of lights that would be added for whatever purpose that uh, specifications on that also be considered. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member, Advocate Jay. Okay, thanks, Chairperson. Now, um, with regard to the use of yellow light, yellow lights by uh, um, construction vehicles. Chairperson, for, for even an instance where somebody's driving uh, on our roads and flashing those yellow lights whilst they are not anywhere near a construction, that would be an offense, uh, Chairperson. And it's more a question of law enforcement than anything. Um, it, 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 it is also a prescribed requirement that such construction vehicle should have those kind of lights uh, um, on it, uh, chairperson. It's not something that somebody can just do willy-nilly because they feel like doing that. Um, uh, and on the issue of what um, uh, uh, Honorable Hunsinger has said, um, uh, driving with hazards and, and, and so forth, we, we have uh, uh, provisions in our legislation, uh, uh, regula um, Regulation 198 on the general requirements for direction indicators. And, you know, I, I don't want to bore this uh, committee with uh, reading up the, 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 the provision, but then um, to, to safely state, uh, uh, read the following from the uh, that uh, regulation that, and which is Regulation Six A that a driver of motor vehicle fitted with a separate switch to operate all the direction indicators simultaneously shall put shall put into operation simultaneously all the direction indicators fitted to such vehicle when the vehicle is one stationary in a hazardous position or in motion in an emergency situation. Right now, that being 
case, chairperson, it's only in those two instances where somebody would flash their hazards, uh, chairperson. And with that said, I take it I've responded to uh, the question by the Honorable. Thanks, chairperson. So the, the traffic officers and the police must do their work? Uh, chairperson, I would concur. <clears throat> the traffic officers and the law enforcers of this country must do their work. Is a funeral a funeral and <clears throat> emergency occasion advocate according to <laughs> let's leave it. No disrespect. <laughs> no disrespect. <laughs> no, let's leave it. Advocate, can we go to clause number 44? Um, Chair, clause 44 then amends section 60. Uh, Section 60 is certain drivers may exceed general speed limit. Uh, just looking at the notes here, again, no major issues here. Again, it's a consequential amendment linked to the amended definition of an emergency vehicle. The concern raised by members regarding whether this will allow doctors doing emergency house calls with the lights on their vehicle will be applicable here as well. In terms of how this will be managed in practice, the department may need to clarify whether static speed cameras will be able to distinguish when these emergency vehicles are driven in accordance with the section or not at the time of issuing an infringement. Many fines are issued monthly to, for example, G Fleet due to or linked to vehicles used by VIP protection in the performance of their duties. This will then require G Fleet to file the required forms in terms of the Arto Act in order to state their case regarding the vehicle use at the time of the infringement issue. That's just on my notes there, Chair, then reading the clause for members. The following section is hereby substituted for Section 60 of the Principal Act. Certain drivers may exceed general speed limit. Notwithstanding the provisions of Section 59, the driver of an emergency vehicle who drives such vehicle in the carrying out of his or her duties a traffic officer or a person appointed in terms of the South African Police Service who drives a vehicle in the carrying out of his or her duties or any person driving a vehicle while responding to a disaster as contemplated in the Disaster Management Act may exceed the applicable general speed limit provided that A, he or she shall drive the vehicle concerned with due regard to the safety of other traffic and B, in the case of an emergency vehicle, or any vehicle driven by a person while such person is responding to a disaster as contemplated in the Disaster Management Act, such vehicle shall be fitted with a device capable of emitting a prescribed sound and with a prescribed identification lamp, and such device shall be so sounded and such lamp shall be in operation while the vehicle is driven in excess of the applicable general speed limit. Chair, that is clause 44. Advocate, thank you. Go to laws 45, please. 
Chair, then clause 45 gives us a new section 62A. So it will uh, follow here after 62. Now, um, looking at the notes for clause 45, some concerns were indicated by the AA uh, linked to this clause in slides 58 to 60 of Annexure A. The concerns are linked to whether or not this clause can or will compel private emergency services to respond to road incidents, regardless of whether they will have their costs to respond to such incidents recovered. The AA was also of the view that this clause was not sufficiently consulted on. So, Chair, just reading the clause before I get to that PowerPoint uh, slides. Um, 62 capital A, response to road accident. In the event of a road incident, the emergency services shall immediately respond to the incident and render all the necessary services as prescribed. Then just the slides, 58 to 60. Uh, this was the input received on this clause and the department's explanation on slide 58, just to refresh members. Um, 59 was the same as the, the department's previous response applied there. And then 60, again, um, covering those issues there. So, Chair, that is clause 45. Thank you, Advocate. Let's go to clause 46. Chair, then clause 46 amends section 65, which is our very contentious clause. Um, Advocate, why do you put <laughs> emotions in our hearts and our minds? <laughs> Chair, this is the emotions from the submissions I'm relaying to members here. Okay. This is our driving while under the influence clause. Um, so, Chair... I'm, Such a simple thing, Advocate. Let's, let's go. Let's hear. Yes, Chair. Here's mm -hmm. the, um, the notes from, um, that I sent to members. Uh, this clause received the most comments from the submissions, with the majority submissions received opposing the reduction of the BAC to zero, as well as the reduction in breath alcohol to zero. Members may require some time to work through this clause and consider all the submissions, especially those citing how other countries have dealt with similar blood and breath alcohol limits. A concern with this clause is that it may very likely be taken to the Constitutional Court to be declared unconstitutional as indicated by the Catholic bishop's submission that this may infringe on the right to religion or religious practices, such as communion, or could be declared invalid or irrational if one links it to the concerns raised regarding the accuracy of devices used by law enforcement to take or measure these readings according, accurately and validly of the validity of such readings in court. Many accused drivers that fight the charges are acquitted due to a lack of training of officers performing the tests, incomplete records of the Dragar devices, or lack of calibration evidence of these devices for breath alcohol readings, while blood alcohol level tests take over four months to be completed. Other concerns raised also link with the natural production of alcohol measurements through daily bodily functions, 
as well as reference to specific conditions such as Brewer's syndrome. Uh, having 0% for both blood and breath alcohol may lead to a guilty until proven otherwise status conferred upon drivers. It is universally accepted practice that persons with PDPs as well as learner drivers should have either 0.02 readings for blood alcohol or 0.10, I think that should be a lot less, uh, readings for breath alcohol, which are our current levels, or even as low as 0% for breath alcohol in Australia. However, the same 0% does not count for fully-fledged drive um, drivers. So, Chair, then reading the clause, having raised the concerns received by the submissions, Section 65 of the Principal Act is hereby amended, A, by the substitution for subsections 2 and 3 of the following subsections, respectively. So, Chair, then the new sub 2, no person shall on a public road, A, drive a vehicle or B, occupy the driver's seat of a motor vehicle, the engine of which is running, while there is any concentration of alcohol in any specimen of blood taken from any part of his or her body. Then sub three, if in any prosecution of an alleged contravention of a provision of subsection two, it is proved that there was a concentration of alcohol in any specimen of blood taken from any part of the body of the person concerned per 100 milliliters at any time within two hours after the alleged contravention, it shall be presumed the absence of evidence to the contrary that there was such concentration of alcohol in contravention of subsection 2. And B, by substitution of subsection 5, for the words following paragraph B of the following words, just want to scroll down to 5, there's 5 members. So this will then read sub B, while there is any concentration of alcohol in any specimen of breath exhaled by such person. And then C, by the substitution for subsection six of the following subsection, there's the full six. If in any prosecution for a contravention of the provision of subsection five, it is proved that there is a concentration of alcohol in any specimen of breath of the person concerned, taken at any time within two hours after the alleged contravention, it shall be presumed in the absence of evidence to the contrary that there was such concentration of alcohol in contravention of subsection five. So Chair, that is clause 46, um, where we had the most submissions on um, amending section 65 for members input and consideration, Chair. Advocate Almanel, your friend is here. Uh, Honorable Manu, followed by Honorable McDonald. In that order, please. Sure, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm so sorry. I've got two gadgets. When I must talk, I must use another one and reduce the volume on another one. Chair, 
I think mine is very simple. We had debated this. The department has had attempted to give us what they thought was uh, compelling reasons why it should go to zero. However, at the time, I believe that uh, we were not convinced of the department's uh, explanation. And therefore, the question should be, uh, why should we allow the department to ignore our input? Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Honorable McDonald. Um, thank you, Chairperson. And uh, I want to um, sing in the same choir as Honorable Manu. Uh, we have discussed this, Chairperson, and we have at length discussed this with the department. And I, I'm, a, I'm a bit concerned that the department has not taken anything that we've said into consideration. And um, because, Chairperson, there is a legitimate issue here. People, we have got a serious problem in this country where people over the counter can buy cough medicine and flu medicines that contain large amounts of alcohol. That will make you, so getting flu in this country could literally land you up in jail for driving under the influence. At the moment, the way that this thing is 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 suggested, Chairperson, we must really, I, I, I really, really, I, I'm pleading with you, Chairperson, that through you, this we must look at this properly because we cannot have a situation where poor people that are buying over-the-counter medication are going to be um, subjected to a whole weekend in jail because they had flu, Chairperson, and 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 and, and there are many other instances where. Uh, religious people um, uh, are, are going to be affected. And we're not saying that people should be drunk, Jefferson, or, or, or that we must up the, the limit. We must look, Jefferson, we have, uh, we have such a diverse community and people in this country that we must not exclude certain people from, 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 from this bill, Jefferson. And, and poverty, Jefferson, not everybody can go to a doctor. And they go to clicks and they buy a bottle of, of uh, Vicks Medi-Night. Vicks Medi-Night has got I think 17% alcohol in a Jefferson. And, and, and that is a very big concern, Jefferson. Can we just maybe, can, can the department just not beat us on this? Thank you, Jefferson. Uh, number two, Advocate Nell. That it's 46, eh? But on my right here, there's driving while under the influence of intoxicating liquor. Yes, Chair. This this one here on the right is the principal mm. act. This mm. large one here is the bull. So this section then amends that section. That's only why you're seeing it in, in that split, Chair. So this one amends this one. Okay, so the amended version, how is it differing? Because I see on the new one, we still have 0 0.5. No, Che, um, I think we are a little bit ahead in the process. Um, yeah. 
this this consideration now as as we read the bill um, for members, we have had the discussion during the stakeholder presentations, but Chair, this is now where members will tell us, you'll see here, Chair, the differences, these um, bold printed numbers. You'll see them here in the in the act. That is the measurements that's currently allowed. Can you read, can you read the, the right one? Okay, Chair, the, the one that is currently allowed. No, the, is, the new one. The, new, the one. new one just says that no person shall on a public road drive or occupy the driver's vehicle while the vehicle is running, while there is any concentration of alcohol in their system. So, Chair, that effectively means that it's taking the um, alcohol reading to 0%. Now, Chair, this is the proposal in the bill, but this is now where the committee members can tell the department so that it's included in the A-list. No, we do not want a 0%, or yes, we do like your um, 0%, keep it there. But if members are saying no, would they then propose for the department to keep the status quo? which we see is different for regular drivers versus drivers with PDPs and learner drivers? Or would they then propose we make it a little bit more stringent? Let's say, for example, here, uh, 0.05, maybe move it to 0.02, or in that, um, that sense, as we had in the discussions with the submissions chair. I think it's important here for the drafters that they know exactly um, how the committee would like to see this, whether the committee wants it reduced or just say, we reject this clause, keep the old clause, or okay, we like the change, but let's give different limits. That is, um, I think, what will be important for this section, Chair. Honorable Unsinger. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, um, our position is that we suggest that the current limits be maintained. In other words, 0 0.05 grams per 100 mil, and for professional drivers, 0 0.02 grams per 100 mil. Chairperson, the motivation behind this is that current law enforcement already fails to adequately police the current standards. So any change in even the current standards towards uh, zero would necessitate um, law enforcement. So currently there is no demonstration of being able to effectively execute the current uh, legislation. So our position is not that there's any problem with the law as it stands, but there's a huge problem and a huge shortfall in executing even what we currently have. So an improvement, a more stringent um, law would not, um, would not cause people to drink less or to take less chances in getting behind the wheel in a state where they shouldn't. So therefore, Chairperson, um, my, my proposal would be that we maintain the current standards um, of 0 0.05 grams per 100 mole and for professional drivers, 0 0.02 grams per 100 mole. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. You are clear, straightforward, no issues. Honorable McDonald. Chairperson, um, I'm, I, 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 yeah, I, if I, I would like to 
eat the, what our previous discussion was, if it's possible. But um, I, I think we, 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 we were all around in that area, Jefferson. So let me lower my hand and not, not uh, bother you anymore, Jefferson. I'm apologizing. Um, I, I think I'm happy with it, Chief. Honorable Manu. Chair, uh, I am court also, but uh, my concern, Chair, is we discussed this thing for a long time. And what Honorable Hunsinga is saying, in my recollection, is what we had said at the time and made all the motivation. I would really honestly, subject to you agreeing with me or saying I'm out of, want to understand why is it that when we make input, after some time, they are not considered? Is it because they are not important? Or is it because we would have forgotten what we said earlier? There must be a reason. Uh, that when we make so much input, we sweat, we drink a lot of water, we consume oxygen, and somebody decides we are not going to do that with no further clarification. For me, that is a concern. I support what Honorable Hunsinga is saying. Okay, before I give to the department... Maybe for progress sake, your, the first statement there on top is the one that gives us problems. Advocate Jay, you want to say something? Chairperson. Yeah. Yes, I do. Thank you. Chairperson, this bill mm. uh, is before this uh, honorable committee and as a department indeed, we had a lengthy debate around this uh, amongst ourselves. And Chairperson, it is now the department, uh, I mean, the committee's decision whether they retain or reject. It's no longer our bill, Chairperson. We've made inputs and we've submitted and uh, it's up to the committee to make a determination whether uh, okay. what happens to provision. Thank you, Chairperson. I know my DG or my DDG is... Okay, okay. What you are saying in simpler terms, I know I'm going to get a, <clears throat> a lot of hands from the department <laughs> because this one is an easy one. What you are saying is that what we are currently dealing with is no longer the work of the department. It, it is. is the work. Come yes. It is the work that started from the department with amendments as we were moving along. Correct, Chairperson. Amendments should be included by the people who assist the committee. Am I correct? Chairperson, we made, correct, Chairperson, we made proposals and as we're going along, like it has been happening, there were insertions that we made by the committee, mm -hmm. and it's something that we've been accepting as we're moving along, Chairperson. So and this clause is not different from that. Thank you very much. We must look for a different culprit, not the department. <clears throat> I hear, once, once we bring Mr. Shabisa, you know, 
he knows that it's not the department. Okay. Can we? I'm covered, Chair. I'm covered, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Honorable members, can we move with what we had agreed and as suggested by the Honorable Hun uh, Singer? Agreed, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Advocate Nell, I knew when you were saying the most, what, what, <laughs> the emotions were, were here. Let's hear clause 47, Advocate Nell. She, um, I'm just going to add another two cents. She, <laughs> uh, we, we did note members' concerns. However, the, the, the changes that members propose will come in the A list. So the process we're currently going through now is if there are any additional input or comment. So, Chi, I just want to clarify that for all parties concerned, there still be some clauses that will come up where the department needs to clarify issues. And there will be clauses like this one where we know members have indicated they would want 0%. We just need for our procedural aspects to make sure that it is covered in this part of the consideration. Because we have our first part where we look at the stakeholders input, then we get through to this reading, and then we get through to the A-list. So I just needed to make that clear, Chair. Then just a reminder, um, um, in my notes here from Valerie's side, we still have the other two bills that we quickly have to look at the clauses. And I think our passionate discussion, Chair, through you may uh, be the perfect time for us to decide to take clause 47 at the next meeting. <laughs> Advocate, I think what the members are saying is the new version. On, on my right hand side, as, I, as I'm seated, should be capturing the views of the committee. Am I correct? No, Chair. That is going to come when we get to the A list. We are currently just reading through the bill to make sure we have all members' input that will go into the A list. The A list will present the new clauses to the bill, Chair. That's what I wanted to clarify here. We're not at the process yet where we show members all the amendments that are included. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Do we have anything substantial with 47? Advocate, before I take the ruling of the advocate and the Valerie. Um, Chair 47 is dealing with the minister's powers to make regulations. There might be some discussions there as we have had in the past with other legislation, okay. which is why I'm, I'm proposing that we, at the next meeting when we deal with the bill, we take it up from clause 47 um, so that we at least can finish the agenda for the day, Chair. Yes, I hear you, Advocate. Thank you very much. Um, thank you very much, Advocate. Um, now we must go to something else.
and this something else is the consideration of the list of written submissions received on the railway safety bill. And uh, we received about nine submissions on the railway safety bill and uh, received two submissions on the Transport Appeal Tribunal Amendment Bill. So, honorable members, with your permission here, we, I think one may want to move that uh, we take these two bills for further um, uh, submissions by the public. If the House allows that, would have dealt with this item. Let me hear my honorable member, or honorable Hunsinger. Chairperson, uh, indeed, um, I, I want to concur with your direction um, that we follow that route. And secondly, Chairperson, I uh, humbly request um, to be excused at quarter to one, since I need to join another meeting, if you would be so kind. Thank you, Chairperson. I am so kind not to release you, because at that time, we will be long, long finished. Thank you very much, Honorable Member. Uh, we'll now be dealing with uh, item number four, which is the minutes of the 30th, I've gone through those minutes myself. Uh, the minutes are ready for adoption by members. Any mover? Chairperson, I move for the adoption of Honorable McDonald. Any seconder? Thank you. Any seconder? Any second going once people must be lively, man. How can uh, honorable members <laughs> get tired when we are, we are closing the year? Honorable Mabena, I still with us. Uh, I see intimidating me to second, so I second. I don't want to, <laughs> to be defiant here. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Any matters arising? Nothing. Um, honorable members, we are here. Uh, this is our last day. Any, any comment by any member? It, it should not be a speech. It should be a comment before I close my meeting. Honorable Honsinger, Honorable McDonald, any other hand? Honorable Tamsanga, Mapena, uh, those are the three hands I've noted. In that order, please. Ketamabala, number four. Thank you, Chairperson. Allow me to just thank everybody for the great spirit that was um, upheld throughout all of our deliberations. And for you as the chairperson, which I can truly confess has always been fair, 
um, and uh, true to the commitment of improving transport through the work of our committee. And uh, thank you for the, the work that we could look back to, which has really um, taken transport into a, a more improved environment. In comparison, Chairperson, it's been a most successful year and it would not have been possible without the support uh, of all the staff as well as the support teams, uh, parliamentary advisory, parliamentary legal teams. So from our side, Chairperson, thank you very much for a great effort. Despite all the challenges, we've conquered and we've done a lot. I thank you, sir. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Hunsinga. Uh, you can be uh, released uh, if your time comes. Uh, Honorable McDonald. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. I also want to add my voice um, and say uh, thank you to you, Chairperson, for 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 the year. Uh, to all the honourable members, uh, yeah, it's been a hard year, but we've uh, we've overcome our challenges and we've worked together as a team very well. And the, the staff and the support staff and the department for always um, accepting our challenges and our comments and sometimes robust discussions. And um, may God bless everybody over this festive season. Uh, if I don't see you and if I don't speak to you and let everybody drive safely, don't drink and drive, Jefferson. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Mabena. Long towards the sky, long towards the Pulituba and Amgi Chuti, Ngi Fisela Boke. Abalinga, Nupresposo Moshe, Nunyago Mucha, Omoshe, Si Togoze, and also to thank um, all the uh, colleagues that we've worked with, um, about Dr. Tangesi, Valeri, um, Advocate Nell, and also Uses Priscilla, to say thank you very much. And also, Chaperson, uh, at least for me, in my last speech, I did dedicate my my opening remarks to you and your chairmanship. So thank you very much. We're praying that even. Uh, Next year, nothing changes so that the holidays change your approach to, to running committee meetings. Uh, but we were hopeful that nothing won't change. But just to say, Chair, um, the issue of oversight, um, specifically to provinces, is something that I think in the new term as we come back, something that must be prioritized. And the outstanding oversight, the one in KZN, the one in Mpumalanga, and the others here in Gauteng, um, the DLTCs. Uh, I think those should take um, priority and we need to ensure that as we come back, the first order of business would be to ensure that we fulfill those oversights and to thank generally all the colleagues, uh, McDonald, everyone, uh, everyone, honorable um, Abakon. So thank you very much and have a a lovely one, and also to the department uh, and to everyone else, except all those who who are anti-progress. Thank you very much. As Togo was as Togo was emotional, I think in a gegolagiti wasulu. Nambi iti stole umundi se. Aye, iti angtogo zakulu stalo. The bonga zakulu umsebenzi owenzi le nogubaka mazindozishisa. Nano Guti Ama I department I seven Zengo we can't Yakurazi I portfolio committee am officials U Tadoto no Pala 
uhlathi u advocate no 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 dogotela thank you very much honorable chairperson and thank you for 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 your your commitment and for your calm and ngicelukubonga kakhulu aba amalunga eparliament esinabo see we work as a team that doesn't shows that we are from a different ideology and different parties but njengamanje khombisa ukuthi we are going forward ngendle ngesipilit esinazo ukufotho manqe yakhona zohansinga uzobe uma uma bena sibalwami ukuthi nabo bonke abaholi upitmel umfana wase Eastern Cape ohlala njalo ekhuluma nge-Eastern Cape ukuthi le nta yenzayo i-keep spirit ahayi ukuthi ukwazi ukuthi la usuka khona uyabu yayinakekela indawo usuka kuyo thank you chairperson 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 thank you very much <clears throat> in a minute thank to thanks to all of you as different uh, characters from different parties i think we have achieved our vision of non-partisanship putting people first and leading in this portfolio as leaders that were elected to represent the people of south africa valerie and your team thank you very much that will include uh, the legal um, teams we are hard at times you have always been professional um, executing your work tatemahatu and your team uh, do say to the minister and deputy minister uh, we continue to commit ourselves in her in working hand in hand and we'll raise our issues wherever we feel that we need to raise those issues otherwise enjoy your christmas have a prosperous new year and be safe throughout the festive season uh, may god be with you and bless you abundantly thank you long live everybody long live according to my time it is exactly 1 o'clock Long live the chair long live thank you very much uh, thank you very much long live the chair thank you we are done uh, long live everybody and the meeting is officially adjourned at 10 to 1 thank you, thank you very you. much and thanks to everyone thanks.